We must face reality. The COVID gene-based vaccines have undoubtedly failed to live up to expectations. These so-called vaccines do not prevent infection. They do not prevent transmission of infection, and they are not keeping people out of hospital. These so-called vaccines are not safe. They have caused more deaths and serious adverse effects than any drug in the history of medicine. Anyone who disagrees with these simple facts has just not bothered to look. Too many lives have been lost. The time has come to speak the truth. Here we go. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, October 28th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Some important stuff to get into, but again, planning to make this very short, shorter than yesterday, in fact, very motivated about this, (laughs) to keep this shorter or short as I can. Not that that means there won't be longer shows when necessary. Today, of course, there's other things going on that I have to be available for and accomplish and potentially another show airing tonight. But what I'm going to get into today are two, three main topics I think are very, very important to not only how their narrative is absolutely collapsing around the concern, the, the dangers, the life-threatening issues around these injections, but how they're already setting up what it appears to be the next problem or one of the many next problems in the biosecurity state. Cause don't forget in the, the security state, it wasn't just one enemy the whole time there, even when it was focused on ISIS, there was still the North Korea threat and the Iran threat and everything else they wanted you to be concerned about. They were lying to you about by and large, same things happening today. So it doesn't mean it's just monkeypox is next or that's not, they're building a biosecurity state and the general threat they're in. The next one we're talking about in today's show is something we've already talked about again, I have to give myself credit on this. We were gigantically ahead of the story in regard to the Candida Oris and other issues around Candida variants in regard to the oral thrush problem that is undeniably in part, if not entirely, being caused by these masks you're wearing. I'll prove this for the 15th time today, but we, that we were really knocking this down in 2020. And what this is showing you, the WHO is now saying this is a it, two of two of the main concerns in a grouping of 15 things that are pointing out are this new rising bacterial infection threat. It's just it's exactly what those have been following this on T-Lab from the beginning are thinking in their mind. Oh, my God, we talked about this a long time ago. Very important. But of course, we're also going to talk about the variants. Now, as we briefly touched on before, the, bivar- the bivalent injection and what it's doing is already failing. For exactly the reason we told you. And understand, they frame that as a success. Because they say, well, it's no worse than the ones before. Well, guess what? The ones before were deadly. And they still are. And so too are the ones you're giving people. If they're the same, that's a terrible thing. And that's what they're basically telling you. We're going to show you the variant conversation. As well as why they think, according to their science, this isn't working. And what that shows you. And again, it's exactly what we are trying to warn people about. 
and even their own information is coming to and is revealing this. But we're going to start off with two main points today. One around a lot of the lies being spun, not even just related to COVID-19 or mass or anything, but just just this level of just unprecedented dishonesty. And it's only unprecedented, I would say, because it's so forward. They've always been lying like this to us. And I think we need to understand that they being the government people in power. But what we're seeing, what I'm seeing today personally, is just this, this continuation of like the procession of the absurd, like saying, okay, well, the person it's like saying, here's a known pedophile. Let's make him the kindergarten teacher and acting like that makes perfect sense because it all lines up and you're going, well, wait a minute. That's like the last person. And it's everywhere today. And I'll go through a couple of points to start and how obvious this is. And I feel like, I don't know if it's meant to make us feel confused, make us check out, or if they just don't see how ridiculous it is. I really don't know, but you can come to your own conclusions about it. We're going to talk about Twitter, of course. You can't, can't talk about how miss the gigantic conversation cloud overtaking every conversation today around Elon Musk officially buying Twitter or you know finishing the deal or whatever the terminology should be. And in fact, taking the CEO position and firing executives and so on. He's making a big shift there. Or that's the story. I do. I do think I do have an opinion about. I'll get. I'll wait to get into it. But it's, I'm always frustrated how quickly people jump to what they assume is going to happen when it's in partisan world. I hope Elon is going to change this whole situation. I hope a lot of people. They, I hope all the Republicans that get voted in change everything. Just not very hopeful that will be the case based on history. And I just wish we could be objective until their actions are proven. Everywhere we talk about this, but then also real early on the show, probably the first 20 minutes, hopefully we're going to talk about a very important article. Somebody sent me from 1996 from guess who from CNN of all people, or rather that it looks like they posted the article. It was from, um, uh, I think money was a CNN outfit at the time. I think that's what it's called. And this entire article will <laughs> make you laugh out loud. It is everything we're talking about, even in a general sense that these injections are pretty dangerous and that the companies working with them are, are lying and the government's allowing it to happen. And everything we're doing is making this more problematic. And, and then, weirdly, nothing changed. It all got worse. And those same people are now going, you're crazy for saying that. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. And that's I kind of included in the same opening point. And then we're going to talk about the risk, excess death, and so on. But let's start with the confusion or the illusion or the, the, the uh, procession of the absurd, as I called it. Here is one that will probably make you laugh, as it should. As Chuck Ross points out on the Free Beacon, has wrote an article about this. The DOJ official, Kristen Clark who very clearly, undeniably, no question, completely hyped and and obfuscated, really, around the Jesse Smollett hoax. I mean, is there even anybody out there that still doesn't know that that was completely fabricated, that he lied about that, he got caught lying about that, and this whole process was shown, it was just, it was broken. It shows you how broken the justice system is, especially if you want to think this is a, a woke politics-related thing. It very well could have been like some kind of idea that they need to make this happen because of his ethnicity, which, by the way, would be racist any way you spin it. But either way, it's her, this person who is now holding a DOJ seminar on identifying hate crimes. <laughs> so the woman who knowingly, I, I mean, I, I, think, I think knowingly lied is a fair statement with what turned out to, to be the case after this. I would say knowingly lied about what actually happened, knowingly covered up for Jesse Smollett in regard to faking hate crimes, is now holding a seminar on identifying hate crimes. I mean, can you get more ridiculous than that? It's, it's, it's like they want us to be upset about this, and maybe that's the case. That's crazy. That is simply ridiculous. That is picking the one person 
who we're all going to make that statement about. We're going to really the person who faked that thing is now going to hold seminars identifying that thing. Come on, people. But I think they want that to be seen for some level, some manipulation. YouTube announces it will certify medical experts in anti-misinformation push. Not a joke. The YouTube platform, or rather Google, I would argue, are, are going to be certifying their own medical experts. Now think about how dumb that is. The same entity that is not does not know what they're talking about and has proven that throughout this process by censoring valid, provable, peer-reviewed research and other information that they've, in many small, in few cases, have been forced to bring back because large enough platforms, or rather entities, poke them in the eye. But people like us, no, we're still censored, even though we've been proven to be correct on a lot of different things, if not most of the content around COVID-19. And that's not a, that's not a hyperbolic statement. That's you You guys know this. But it's not, so understand, this isn't YouTube hiring medical experts or rather tapping into some medical institution and, and getting high level. This is YouTube announcing it will certify its own medical experts. So it has placed itself as the arbiter of medical truth, right? Are you going to pretend, are we going to act like YouTube is going to let Dr. Peter McCullough be certified as a medical expert? Because understand, YouTube is not training them. They're just deciding who is and who is not medical experts and giving them that badge, just like we've seen before. So again, as, even with what just happened in this process, YouTube, after being shown to be wrong and everyone going, they don't have medical experts in YouTube. What right do they have to censor high-level experts? And everybody goes, yeah, that makes sense. And now they're going, well, screw you. We're just going to decide anyway and make a badge for people that we dictate are the experts based on what exactly? Your medical school degree? I mean, really, guys, this is not this is as ridiculous as it gets. And the point is that this is already what's happening. They're just going to solidify this with some sort of badge. As it says, YouTube announced that it would certify health professionals who create medical content on their platform. So you essentially petition them. It's like a blue check on Twitter. In an effort to improve available health information, the platform announced that it will allow specific categories of healthcare professionals, so let's say a virologist, to apply for a label that identifies their channel as a content as a legitimate and certified source, certified by YouTube. So this is the kind of clown world that we're in, where a streaming video platform is dictating who is and is and is not a medical certified medical expert. <laughs> I mean, you can't not laugh about this. This is as stupid as it gets. But because they know how important YouTube is, or rather just the flow of information through these platforms, predominantly YouTube at the moment, unfortunately, that they need to do this. They need to control that flow. It's about you understanding what's going on and then controlling that. That's it. My God. <laughs> it's just as funny. It really is funny. You have to laugh. It's a macabre sort of funny, but it's, it is. It's ridiculous. Here's another example of just blatant misinformation. Right. Here's what's funny. You know, we'll get into the Twitter part about this. You know, I argue there shouldn't be any censorship of misinformation, first of all, because that means miss means people are most likely not aware that they're spreading information that's incorrect. So you, people have a right to say anything, including things that aren't right. That's called free speech. Right. But then on the other side of it, disinformation where people are actively trying to disinform. Same point, though. You have a right to do that. They've created this world where this this kind of discussion where or that leads to so-and-so, but that's an assumption. What I'm getting to is that it's interesting now that Twitter is taken by Elon Musk if it flips on its ear and suddenly we start seeing people on the other side who, right? by the way, if you're still pretending we should be censored for disinformation or misinformation, it's rife on the side of, of let's just say, the, the left-leaning side of this. 
But my, my point, I hope, is that we can see that it shouldn't teeter-totter because that's the same problem in reverse. And then you get the other side going, we're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> and then the other side going, they're censoring everybody that's on the left. It's, I, I kind of see that where this goes in a slow roll. I hope I'm wrong. But <laughs> before I get ahead of myself, because I, I, I'll tell you what I'm hoping T-Lab Twitter account comes back. But here's Biden in a misinformation segment here. He says the price of inflation is down, which I, is that... I mean, am I am I uninformed in the conversation of ec- uh, the economic conversation of inflation, or is that a dumb? Is there the price of inflation? I'm pretty sure he misspoke, <laughs> which is not new for Biden, unless there's a term that I'm misunderstanding. I've never heard anybody say the price of inflation, the state of inflation. I would argue, regardless, he says real incomes are up, as opposed to fake ones, right? And the price of gas is down. That's the point, because <laughs> the other part of it probably has his mumbling confusion about what he was trying to read right there. But as and the price of gas is down, he says. The price of inflation is down. Real incomes are on going are up and the price of gas is down. Yeah, yeah. he clearly didn't know what he was. I, he, I don't think in price of inflation or real up and incomes are up and down, up and down. He didn't know what he was reading. But the point is the price of gas is down. That's what he was told to say on the teleprompter. Right. Why would they knowingly make him lie? Because that's what we have to understand. He does. He's reading. Whoever wrote that down is either that bad at their job because he's wrong or they're choosing to make him lie. And make, so we point that out. Like we should be able to think that far into the way they play this. Right. Somebody must know that's not true. It's not hard to look up. So somebody made a, not, a conscious choice to put it on there so he would read it. So we would go Biden lied about the gas price. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we have to think. Again. I mean, it is possible that they're really that incompetent. I, but I don't tend to lean that way just because people in these positions, at the very least, have to be somewhat competent, usually outside of nepotism to rise into these positions. <laughs> just to, doesn't mean they're good people at all. Usually the opposite. Here's the point, though. OK, so he's saying gas prices in general are down. Well, when exactly and in what frame? Right. Are we talking like since covid lockdowns? Are we talking post Ukraine war? Well, neither of those are true, regardless. Because you know what they're actually saying is, oh, my God, it's down 10 cents over the last week. But guess what, Biden? It's up like $2 over the last year. So that's fake. That's how they play this game, right? We're down 20% in the last week. <laughs> that's not that's not a fair representation. Just in case you wanted to see the data, here's from February 24th. So we're taking Ukraine invasion, let's say, forward. National average was 354. Well, what's the average right now? Well, it's 376. So that's not true. Okay, what's the other one? Uh, Post-COVID lockdowns, right? Well, no, it was 247 before that, and now it you know, got worse, and now, now it's still higher. So either way you spin that, Biden's lying. But doesn't probably know he's lying. Well, here's another part of it. He adds to the same, same speech, by the way. So somebody knew and wanted him to be, look like an idiot, probably. Joe Biden says gas was over $5 when he took office, and I know this is a, all over the place, so it's not a new point. This was, on the, this was yesterday, but it's been talked about. Here's RNC pointing it out. But he's lying, and he is lying, because it's not. Now, that number is not even accurate. But it, I'm sure you can get different numbers on different places that take polls and so on. But here's what I see. First of, well, first of all, right now it's at 376, even though he said that the price. Where was it? Oh, I was going to play it. That's right. This one's a. Today, the most common price of gas in America is three dollars and thirty nine cents down from over five dollars when I took office. OK, well, <laughs> that's not even correct, right? Because you can see the current average right now. It's 376. So he's wrong about the average and he's wrong about $5. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Like this is, it has to be intentional. I don't even know how it couldn't be. Here it is on the 2021. 
It was $2.25 when he took office. And that's giving a little bit of room, too, because it gets even worse before that. You know, 2020, end of 2020, which is technically when that happens, post-November. But going to January and give him a little little leeway, it's still $2.25. It's just interesting, isn't it? Why do they allow that to happen? Or are they just that wrong? And then how is that even possible? You know, there's all these interesting questions. The point being, there's so much misinformation and the people in power, specifically the president of the United States, are actively lying to you in very basic ways in plain daylight. So ask yourself what things they're lying to you about without making it clear in the shadows. Right. I mean, that's just like an obvious point to make. But then finally, just that I want to laugh about it finally, but last couple points on this section. I meant to show you this yesterday. (laughs) This is just so stupid to me. Okay. To, to not scare away everybody in the, in, the, in the early part of the show before we get into the meat and things we can prove, <laughs> this has to do with the moon landing conversation. Now, look, guys, we need to have a come-to-Jesus talk about how really obvious it is, for those that don't know this by now, that they lied to us about this. It's technologically proven that what they claimed happened at the very least was, pr- was provably not even possible. Here's one of these jokes that, no, this is still on display. It says, the White House... Oval Office Telephone. This green telephone was used by President Nixon to speak to the Apollo 11 astronauts after the moon landing on July 20th, 1969. So let's pretend like this green telephone somehow magically was speaking in real time to the people landed on the moon. Can we just be honest with ourselves about how really cartoonishly fake that is? It's not true. Right. So that doesn't mean there wasn't something else going on. Maybe they had advanced technology then that we didn't know about and they don't have it. I mean, there's I'm not saying I have the answer. What I'm telling you is that's not true. That is a fact. They didn't have there's no way that we we could barely do that now. If I don't even know if technically that happens in real time, even right now. Right. So the point is, this is a regular telephone and it's still on display as if that happened. They lied to us, guys. Now, there's a whole other discussion to get into about the technology and and. Them claiming they lost what they had. They've never been able to reproduce it. Like, it's just so silly. So I don't know what the answer is to that point, but realize there is really core foundational stories we tell ourselves about this country and just even further back history that are false, that we all kind of know are false, but we perpetuate. I don't know, like Columbus discovering America, right? Oh, no, we're not allowed to point the, you're racist or whatever else. It's true that that's not the accurate story. So, so too is this. So let's, let's kind of use that in this conversation to understand how much we could be lied to about. And we all sit, kind of perpetuate ourselves. Now, here's an interesting one in regard to uh, Google. And, and this is, just, uh, you know, people will take this as a, par- a partisan point, and it is essentially. But I always caution that the, the point being Google's caught burying a GOP candidate, uh, campaign sites in 83% of top Senate races. My point is, if that's the case, and it does appear to be, which wouldn't surprise me at all, is that because the right's the good guy and the left's the bad guy censoring? Is it really that binary and simple, guys? I think we know that's not the case. Or, I mean, it could be, to be, to be objective, but is it more likely that it's because that's the way they want you leaning right now? And they know that we have this weird perception that if you're censored, you're there for truth. And if you're not, you're there for part of the wrong side. Like that's the, the childish binary back and forth that we get. Left, right paradigm, black and white. That's, that's how this works. So ask yourself that. Whether it's about censoring the ones that are fighting for you or if it's about tricking you very simply with like a one level trick into supporting the people that they want you to support. 
they I'm not it's not going to be the U.S. government. We I think we can see that there are much larger forces at play here. Less than new research tonight alleging that Google is manipulating Internet search results to favor Democratic candidates for Senate over their Republican rivals. Let's bring in Media Research Center founder Brent Bazelgren. Always great to see you. So, so you went on Real Clear Politics and you picked out the, the 12 hot Senate races, right? And then you did some research and you found that the Republican candidates in 10 of those races are being buried by the Google search engines. Fair assessment? Yeah, let, let's, let's look at the importance of this. First, um, Google controls 92.4% of all searches worldwide. So it is almost a, a monopoly of information. When it it kind of is when you realize who else owns the rest of those companies as well. Ports to be an objective platform, it puts things in an objective way. But in ten of the twelve cases, it gave preferential treatment to the Democrats over the Republicans. And here's the kicker, Trace: the, the statistics will tell you that less than 1% of the public goes beyond the first page of a right. Google search. They know that. Of the 12 Republicans, seven of them were put on page two, mm. where they get less than 1% of, of the interest from the public. So, And that's an important point about suppression, right? So that gives them the illusion to say, no, no, they're right there. No one's being censored. They're right there. They're just not as popular, which is certainly possible. But that's an easy way for them to just simply do that, knowing that 99% of people won't ever see it if they put it just barely on page two, but it allows them, it's the, you know, plausible deniability. No, it was just, it was right there, right? That, and that's suppression as opposed to censorship. And that happens every day. And I argue is far, far more prevalent than blatant censorship, which we all constantly deal with today if we're even barely pointing at the truth. Well, they've been buried. They're being squished. As far as a search information system is concerned, they really don't exist. Google now is twice in trouble with Republicans. They just got sued on Friday after the Republicans found out that they were taking their emails and putting their fundraising emails and putting them into spam. So Google really... Yeah. I mean, I, I experienced that too. I know. I mean, you guys, I was talking about this separately for my my personal server, that my T-Lab server, the one with HostGator. That... My, my, by the way, I haven't said this recently again, but it's still a problem. So those that are emailing right now, find another way to reach out to me just because Ryan at the last American vagabond.com is, is seemingly problematic and under attack and having, you know, emails popping up and not showing up and it's all over the place. I mean, it's clearly in some way happening. And I, but my, it's also with other Gmail accounts that I've had where you notice that happening or just simply anything from at the last American vagabond.com or referencing T lab is ending up in spam when I send it out or coming from my email. It's, it's constant. This is constant and all over. And this isn't even a secret. This is what they're openly doing and suppressing. And they're now ja rationalizing that, like like PayPal and the money and everything, which, by the way, I don't think I was going to get to that today. Yeah, I think I pushed it off. I was going to make a quick comment that the the PayPal thing somebody pointed out and I made I should have made this clear yesterday because PayPal added back the twenty five hundred dollar fee for misinformation, um, amongst other things. Now, the, the document I was showing did say September 2021. I didn't make this clear enough. The point was that, but it's still accurate. They very clearly did add it back. The main point is that they haven't changed that, even last time. Remember, they already came out and put it on the document and said, oops, our mistake, it wasn't meant to be there, and then removed it. And neither of those two times did they update the date. It still says 2021. And then now they added it back, and they still didn't update it. Just for the, so for those that caught that, it is accurate. They did, and, they've, and there's, now it's being executed. But the document was an old date. That's all it was. But 
for me on this point here, guys, I mean, it's only it's almost done. Let me finish it is affecting the elections in a very serious way. I believe also it's illegal. Yeah. And by the way, that was a North Carolina study that showed that 59.3 percent of the emails that Google was using. There it is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, were being buried. We're, we're likely to be marked as spam versus Democrats, which is shocking. New research. Now, there's, you know, there's a few things you could talk about here that you just have to include. I, look, do I believe there's abs that happening? 100 percent on on all sides to smaller degrees, too. But it's also possible that some of that could be because people marked them as spam or because people because of the way those platforms are spreading their emails, they can get picked up as spam. Because let's be honest, some of these political emails chains are wildly spammy. Right. So they, there's more. It's not always as simple, but I 100 percent believe that is happening. <clears throat> my thing is, well, and, and to add one more possibility too, to say for my, my mind would tend to gravitate toward the idea that there's a reason that they want that to be seen, but not everybody can go to that level. So it's certainly possible that people that just work at Google or people at even high levels are influenced by politics and are doing this because they're politically minded. That's certainly possible too. But just, I just always want to, to, to temper us on the idea that it could be bigger than the two party paradigm. And it almost always is. I believe you're paying attention. You know, I'm always open to the other perspectives as well, because I hope that I'm wrong when it comes to these people being on your side. Here's an example of that. I hope I'm wrong about these platforms. Now, just on the last note on this segment about manipulation, this is very strange to me. Now, you guys remember my my back and forth with Rumble after somebody large enough called them out and said, why are you manipulating Ryan's videos? And they got back to me and I told I showed you what they said and they didn't really invest. They responded and I said, what about this? They said, well, that bit that image on Yemen. It's too graphic, and that's why it was demonetized. If you don't remember, we were demonetized. Numerous videos were demonetized on Rumble. as That has happened since, which is very telling. But they said, well, no, it's because the image was, was graphic, and I found three uses of the image and said, well, what about these three? Associated Press, so on and so on. No response. Oh, so there wasn't an answer then. So you did it because you wanted to. I got it. Either way you look at it, guys, the point is that wasn't, they didn't really, they only engaged insofar as they got me off their back, or at least they thought they did. The point was that it wasn't a really honest engagement. They didn't answer my questions. And I'm still concerned that there's manipulation going on. I don't know for sure, except that I have seen it happen to me. And I know that Slow News Day has also seen, and, and, and Wake Up have seen their videos monetized and in fact removed. That has happened. But here's the point. Just on this one last part of it. And you know my thoughts on this. I don't know why we pretend Rumble is any different than YouTube. They, do, we, they just haven't executed the actions yet, whether it's Rumble doing it or the people pulling the strings that have the influence over the platform. You know, like Amazon and Google and the App Store and everything else we saw happen with YouTube and any other platform that is invested in those things. If you want to see a platform that's not like that, look at BitChute, Odyssey, Sovereign. Sovereign's going out of its way to not be tied to those things. And I would argue to, to a small degree to their detriment, because these ones have risen up around them while they're going out of their way to not tie into these problems, which slows their growth, but good for them for doing it the right way. In any case, here's, this is interesting. So I reached out about a video that I had like 600,000 views on and only made 10 cents. And I said, well, what about that? Why didn't I make any money? They also didn't respond. I think that's strange. But here's a point here. This says 4,000 views, it says, right? <clears throat> well, here's what it actually says. 9,654. So why is it only registering 4,000? And that's what I'm getting paid for, I guess, or if that. But here's the point, 1,000, 8,000. Doesn't matter which one you look at. Let's go far back. Let's check out this one from four days ago. Like, as you consider, maybe it's updating, right? And you can look at the flow. There's not much view. There's not many views coming through this anymore. 6,000, 10,000. Or, you know, could just be a discrepancy. I'm not going to go over the top. It could just be that their, their platforms having issues, having the... But the point is the numbers have been the same for days. It's not updating and they're just staying a discrepancy. Uh, that's strange to me. I just want to, that's all I'm pointing out. 
I want us to be careful and not just fall into the Republicans are on our side or this platform is the way to go or Elon Musk is going to save us all. Maybe. I sure hope so. But let's be objective. Let's wait to see it proven out. And even then, continue to be skeptical and ask questions, even if they, you believe they're on your side, because that's what we're supposed to do. Because an informed electorate understands that people can be wrong. They can make mistakes. Or they can flat out lie, even if they've been on your side so far. That's just simple history, guys. So here we have Twitter. It's happening. Elon Musk to reverse lifetime bans on Twitter users. Now, that's the statement. I haven't really seen any large examples of it just yet. I, I, people like Dr. Peter McCullough has been trending and people are pointing it out. Oh, look, they, you know, let's bring him back. I hope he does. I hope it does. He's tweeted saying the bird is free. He's doing all these stunts. He walked into the headquarters with a, with a sink, basically saying, let that sink in. Uh, he's just he's trying to, you know, it, it's good for him. He's good at promoting himself <laughs> and he gets the, the trolling done. But overall, I haven't seen much happen yet. And I do see people like, uh, where was he? I'll just go to the next tweet. Cat Turd, that's his actual name, at Cat Turd 2, because he was censored before. But he says, report, day one of Elon Musk owning Twitter. I'll be doing this every day to see if anything changes. And it's good for him, because I'm already seeing 40,000 people going, everything's different! The world just changed, and I've got a 10 million more followers. And I don't know why that happens every time. Remember when James Wood said that, like, seven months ago? He was wrong. <laughs> it didn't, didn't happen yet. But it says, as of now, I'm still shadow banned, ghost, ghost banned, search banned, and Twitter removed 1,200 followers today. That's interesting. So the day he gets it doesn't mean Elon Musk has influence over all this. And by the way, it doesn't ever mean that there's always cases that could be not his control. So every good thing that happens from now on, I guarantee will be, yeah, Elon. Anything bad that happens, it's going to be, oh, those Twitter guys he hasn't got rid of yet. Do we know that? No, but that's that's how that's going to go. Mark my words. But Elon responded to that saying, I'll be digging in more today. So I'm hopeful. I'm genuinely hopeful that he will step up and do the right thing. And you know what? If and when it happens. To be quite honest, even if I don't get reinstated, but I see a lot of people do that deserve to, I will I will go, thank God, at least so far, it seems we're doing the right thing, and I will stand by that. I'm happy to admit that I was wrong about something, whether it's the Republicans or Trump or anybody else, if we see it come to pass. But as I said, and hopefully you guys can jump in here and retweet this and get it going. It's already got 102 likes. I said, reinstate T-Lab, an account censored for sharing peer-reviewed science that challenged the COVID narrative. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a smaller account out there than some of the bigger ones that people they're calling for, right? Robert Malone, everyone's, you know, getting these going, but I hope to see it. I, and, I, and I actually re-logged into my old account and put in a petition. I never even appealed these things in the past, but now I want to see what happens. So I appealed it. So reach out, make a statement. If you want me to be back on T-Lab, you know, with my 40, 60,000 followers, whatever it was, I forget. I think it was 40,000 followers. Then reach out, let them know so I can jump back on. Now, here is what's an interesting... <laughs> This is just, it's kind of funny. I mean, I really am. It's kind of funny to me to watch the way people within the paradigm like melt down how these things work out. Like it's same in reverse. It happens on either side when you see these. Well, but I will be honest. The left side tends to be a little more dramatic about these things. Twitter's top lawyer, Vinjaya Gotti, who has shepherded the platform through some of its most contentious censorship. Oh, excuse me. Political battles cried as a virtual meeting as she expressed concerns about Elon Musk's leadership, what it could mean for the company. It's just so funny. Like, what is he like, like a, a villain? This guy's going to step in and just like start casting out racist remarks. And, you know, I mean, it's just like it's so funny what they think they perceive from this. Like what tomorrow is going to be an alt rights of white supremacist platform. Like these, it, if they really believe this stuff, they're, they're drinking their own Kool-Aid. It's silly. It really is. In fact, what he says he's going to do is the exact opposite, which is free speech. But, you know, to them, to be honest, they're scared of that because free speech to them means 
unsavory words and hurtful feelings and oh my god you know all the, the way that they frame that but here's what i tweeted out michael seifert said elon musk officially owns twitter to all the liberals upset by this i have to say to you simply go build your own twitter and i just love that because that's exactly what they said when it happened before well fine go start your own platform and they did and then they removed that platform <laughs> censor the platforms they're using now it's just it's just hilarious well so you told us to do it and then you removed it but then he says, and Rachel Levine is a man. That's <laughs> just hilarious to me because it's still up. You know, Twitter would have would have censored that before. So we'll see what happens. And I just said, eh, this should be fun. Because <laughs> it's it's this is an entertaining series of events to see how people lose their minds over something like this. But we'll wait to see what happens. And Nashville Angela said, all this hype about Twitter makes me wonder what bills are quietly being passed or what's really going on behind this behind the scenes. And I, I responded to this and I said, Angela, this is why I love your work. Because she sees it, you know, and she she will call out like this is what we need to realize that whether or not it's really happening the way it looks like. I bet you that it's either meant to be covering something or will be anyway because they take advantage of it. So good. Actually, let me see. Um, let me see what she says if she followed up because I did say something and see if she got back to me. Not yet. I'll, she, she didn't DM me either. I'll look later. I just said, basically, let me know if she finds anything. She was going through federal registrars to try to see if there's anything popping up today to, under the hook, under the hidden part of it. But so going into you know, all of this manipulation, the lies, the ridiculousness of people doing things that it's like the counterintuitive, like the opposite of what you would think. And Twitter, the move, I mean, everything's shifting in a strange way right now. Everyone's going to want this to be that Elon's going to save the world. And I hope this happens in regard to Twitter. But I just really want to reiterate be objective, be critical. Even if he proves himself to do what we think is going to happen from there forward. What if, you know, what if it's all in the interest of getting your trust so they can change something? You know, that, that's certainly possible too. Let's just remain objective. No matter whether it's a Republican or a Democrat or Elon Musk or Jack Dorsey, we should be going, maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're mistaken. Maybe they're lying. And factor that in every single time. Question everything. And here's a great example of why that's important. Right now, today, right now, today, we are in the middle of a conversation with the corporate media back and forth constantly about vaccines are safe and you guys are conspiracy theorists and misinformation and, and mass work and you guys don't understand. And you're just back and forth and back and forth. And we've gotten to a point to where it's they're just narrative, narrative, narrative. And we're going with peer reviewed science, peer reviewed science, peer reviewed science. And, and then it just it's continues. It just goes forward and never stops. Right. Here's an article we're going to show you next that is from 1996 from CNN. That over that goes over literally everything we're talking about, specifically in regard to the DDP and oral polio vaccine, which you're going to find very, very interesting. And you won't I mean, you'll be shocked, I think, to see what CNN and the writers that at least posted on CNN are saying about what is still happening, which shows you that it's something either they flushed out the industry and got new people there that didn't care or were willing to lie or that the same people are now seeing that and are unable to connect the fact that they were moments ago or years ago saying this is going to kill us all and now going you're wrong for saying that i mean it's 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 confound it's befuddling <laughs> confounding it's frustrating cnn money the lethal dangers of the billion dollar vaccine business with government approval drug companies sell vaccines that can leave your child brain damaged can spread polio from your baby to you and even kill you. Safer stuff is available. Here's why you haven't been getting it. This is Money Magazine posted on CNN Money in 1996. Now, this is specifically in the first part. It's two things. The DP, DPT shot, excuse me. I think I said it wrong the first time. 
and the oral polio injection or, uh, vaccine. And the two things they're pointing out. So first they're talking about the reaction, this child, very, uh, it was a something month old child, a very small, very small infant had to the D, the shot. Now it says they learned the DPT shot can indeed cause death. Now, by the way, please read this. There's a lot in here that I didn't get into. That's it's every part of this. You'll find very, very interesting at the very least. But it says they also discovered that some batches of the vaccine caused more problems than others. Well, look at that. We're talking about different batches causing being more more problematic. And you know what they call that today? Conspiracy theory. That's not possible, they say. Clearly it is. CNN was talking about it because of lax federal recall regulations. Nathan appears to be the first of nine children who died shortly after getting a shot from the same DPT lot. That's interesting. Just first point that we're talking about the lots and how the lack of regulation, meaning that they're just being loosey-goosey about the way they make these things, or you could argue potentially intentionally making them more dangerous than some versus not others, depending on politics or whatever you want to apply that lens. I tend to think it's just simply in in this level, unless they choose to do so for a specific reason, just incompetence, like money playing being more important than safety, which is which is one of the main primary points in this. Now, trust me, I'm very aware that money is, if if not what, not even one of the most important factors to what I think is the largest agenda here, but it is the most important factor to to everybody beneath the the people in the know. You understand, right? There's, I argue there's multifaceted people, agendas and groups involved with what's happening today, but just beneath them, let's say people in Congress or people in the media that I often point out, I think are some of the most uninformed people out there. They are influenced by money to put it simply. And that's, that's undeniable. So that's why this still plays a factor because those are the people in charge of these locations or leading these, they, but they may not know what they're ultimately doing. Right. So the point is that these specific lots were exponentially more dangerous. Now, the the mother says, but I still had believed it was one of those one in a million things when her her child died. When I learned that his death was followed within three weeks by another in New Jersey and then another in Illinois and another in Pennsylvania and five more after that, while this batch of vaccine stayed on the market for an entire year. It broke my heart, she said. I feel betrayed by the drug companies who make vaccines and by the doctors and government agencies I'd always trusted to protect us. A money investigation of the booming vaccine industry estimated revenues, remember 1996, estimated revenues of more than $1 billion a year in the U.S. alone, up from $500 million in 1990. So six years later, they doubled their, their just in the U.S. revenue. And of its federal regulatory agencies, So the investigation of the industry and its regulatory agencies reveals severe violations of public trust. So this is Money Magazine posted on CNN in 1996, openly telling you that there were severe violations of public trust by these companies, which led to people dying. You realize that nothing changed there. I'll make that clear as we go forward. And I have one more tidbit that you'll find especially interesting. And I'm not even close to done in probing the politics and, and economies of the two vaccines, economic, excuse me, economics of the two vaccines that have been used longer than any other in this country at the time in 1996, DPT and polio. Money, the the platform, found that health officials publicly downplayed the lethal risks. Did any of them go to jail? Of course not. Still happening today, but nothing changed. In addition, 
Medical experts with financial ties to vaccine manufacturers, sound familiar, heavily influence government decisions that have endangered the health of immunized kids while enhancing the bottom line of drug companies. And you'll see what they mean by that, basically. In, 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 and by the way, there's, are, this tends to lean the idea that it's, they're just using subpar products and that if done right, that they would be safe. I'm not even sure I agree with that. Regardless, the point is, this is from a corporate media standpoint, and they're simply saying that the government knows what they're doing. And just just to make extra money are using things that they know will add up to kids dying. And they don't care. It's all about the bottom line of the drug company. Like This does not pull any punches. Can you imagine this being written today? You know that they, they would lose their minds. They'd probably bring down the entire platform. Among money's distrib- uh, disturbing findings, we learn that DPT shots cause brain damage at a rate of one case for every 62,000 fully immunized kids. Now, if you think about it like this, when that finally came to light, it was a huge concept. It was a big deal. We're talking about one in 3,500, specifically the Moderna injection for myocarditis. In this case, we're talking about uh, uh, brain damage. I would I'd argue equally concerning. Myocarditis is potentially lethal instant. I mean, that's what, again, Dr. Drew and plenty of other people that are being honest are telling you pre COVID. It was no matter how mild you would have thought that's immediate life-threatening problem run to the hospital. It just suddenly changed. The point is one in 62,000 apparently mattered. Then one in 3,500 doesn't matter. Now the shots also kill at least two to four people a year, according to a federally funded Institute of medicine study. And perhaps as many as 900 a year, including a great number of misclassified as victims of sudden infant death syndrome. (laughs) I mean, this is 1996, and we're still playing that game. According to the Independent National Vaccine Information Center. So at this time, they were already misclassifying deaths from something they knew were deadly and and chose to make money anyway, instead of making them safer, which we'll get into, and then misclassified those deaths as sudden infant death syndrome. We don't know what happened. But then the average mom or person doesn't realize that SIDS means we don't know. They think that's a diagnosis. And they go, oh, sudden death. That's so sad. Well, what, what could we have done? Not give them the dangerous injection. That's what. Have a government that doesn't lie to you. What's worse, these tragedies can be virtually eliminated by a vaccine that would cost $19.43 a dose. Just simply $9 more than the current product. So their point is they chose to make a cheaper product that would save them and make them more money, even though they could have just spent a little more money and made it completely safe, at least the article argues. And they just didn't care. Think about that. I mean, it's, it's exactly, think about, think about the idea. I mean, you could apply that to everything we're talking about today. What about the study of transmission? They could have, they just had to pay more money. That's all Talzak said. They could have, they wanted to find out. They should have just funded more. They chose not to. That's a direct quote from Talzak's from Moderna. Who wouldn't pay $9, they said, to protect their child, even from a one in 62,000 risk of severe illness, let alone death. Now, in this case, they're talking about the price going out, but they also get into the price for the, for the company. And that's why they chose not to do it. Although they are now making some small moves. The government and the drug industry have an appalling record of facing up to vaccine problems. Like that statement alone, you're not even allowed to insinuate that today because you're creating vaccine hesitancy, they say, which, by the way, they address in this article. So they're openly telling you that they do not come forward until forced to do so. That's happening now. Money has learned that 
uh, for decades, American pharmaceutical companies have known how to produce a safer DPT vaccine, but just decided not to bring it to market because it would increase production costs and lower the drugs 50% or higher profit margin. Right. So it costs them more. They make less money. Well, that's not going to happen. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take, uh, you know, the child deaths on the chin and just make more money. The government knows this and it continues. This is not debatable, guys. This, I mean, you could look, the, the DPT shot has been under scrutiny for a while. This is 1996. We need to see that this is what's happening right now, today with COVID-19 injections. And then it goes on to say the only cause of polio in the U.S. for the past 17 years has been the oral version of the vaccine itself. That's very relevant right now. And though the Drood and Drug Administration has finally recommended a reduction of the oral products use, the same one they're pushing today, there are no plans to take it off the market. Really? The twice as costly vaccine administered by injection does not cause polio. Well, that's probably why then. Think about how crazy. So they just don't want to spend the extra money. That's to this day, guys. Still using oral polio vaccines, despite Bill Gates philandering, you know, the, that's the wrong word, um, gallivanting around the country, giving people oral polio, acting like they're going to save lives, in many cases telling them it's something else, and then getting, getting kids polio and having kids die. And this is the point. My, my brother actually just sent me this before I went live. Here's the CDC. Wastewater testing in Rockland. Oh, by the way, on top of that, before I forget, uh, Doom, whose channel I'm using today for the pirate stream, pointed out just the other day that they're right now actually suggesting the oral polio vaccine for the outbreaks, even though it's a vaccine-derived strain. It's just, this is, I should have included that in the opening segment. It's ridiculous. But they say that in the New York, they detected community spread of polio virus using their medical pre-crime, their wastewater testing, where they say, well, we could test your wastewater and somehow know you'll get sick in the future. I don't even know how we pretend that makes sense but that's what they're claiming. Unvaccinated people in these countries are at risk for developing polio and should complete polio vaccination series as soon as possible. Right. Well, this is because of the oral polio vaccine. This spreading, which by the way, has been that this even the CDC has admitted this. It's a vaccine-derived strain. They say it very quietly and somewhere in the middle of the article, but it is the case. It's very true. So they're, what they're pointing out here, which you won't hear said today, is before 1996, and I guarantee it's the same to this point, that the only, only cause of polio in the U.S. for the past 17 years at this point had been because of that oral injection. And yet they kept giving it. And yet they refused to give the one that doesn't cause polio. Because money? I mean, I don't even believe that's what it is. Money's obviously a factor, but you know what guarantees their continual business? Causing polio. This is my opinion. But ask yourself, why would they choose not to use something that's safer? Isn't the entire objective safety? Isn't the entire objective stopping polio? Apparently not. We need to be able to see through the illusion here, guys, because it's happening right now. People are starting to open their minds to this stuff, so I'm hoping this will break through. The oral polio vaccine and the injected variety are commonly made using monkey tissues. Now, this is where it gets really interesting in regard to the HIV overlap, the... uh, uh, um, adenoviruses in 85 we've talked about that they they talked about potentially causing hiv or having an, an increased risk of hiv this comes all this goes even back in fauci's research so what this is talking about is very interesting it says the inject the polio vaccine and the injected variety are commonly made with monkey tissues which contain viruses that can be harmful to humans <laughs> not a joke a, sa- a safer injected vaccine the one they're arguing doesn't cause polio using human tissue is available in canada not in the United States. 
even though that same one they're using in Canada was in fact made by the company that produces them in the United States. How does that even make sense? There's something very nefarious going on in this country. It has been. Now, that's bled out, I think. It's people that are leading it, not necessarily the American people. Since federal regulators have stymied many efforts to investigate the impact of those monkey viruses, but are now paying attention to particularly disturbing research by a Chicago molecular pathologist linking one of them to human cancer. This is the same monkey virus. This is crazy that a new Italian study in 1996, I wasn't able to connect what this, what they were arguing suggests a new Italian study suggests is being passed on sexually by people throughout the world and for for mothers and babies to the womb. What are we talking about right there? There's no link. This is 1996. So it's way past the HIV. Like so they would have known what AIDS and HIV was in this conversation. So they wouldn't have called it the, uh, uh, the same, the, a, it just simply says a, uh, what it say? This is the same monkey virus. So there's some monkey virus. They're claiming that is being passed on because this study is claiming because of the oral polio vaccine. Think about how crazy that is. The one they're still talking about today that they're saying is being passed on sexually, just like HIV, they claim, just like AIDS, or rather they claim, or just like monkeypox, they claim. And from mothers to babies in the womb. Why did, have we ever talked about that again? I, I'm interested. If you guys can find that study, I'd love to dig into that. So the point is that's the same thing still being used, and they knew this, and yet they don't use the one that doesn't do any of that. Sounds like a choice to me. Now, it says manufacturers put profits ahead of the safety vaccine safety with impunity. Just read that again. Very casually written by CNN in 1996. Manufacturers like Pfizer put profits ahead of vaccine safety with impunity. In 1986, which we've talked about many times, the law, the act of 1986 that allowed, that gave the companies indemnity. In 1986 law, which we're talking about, promoted by the drug industry, dramatically limits vaccine manufacturers' legal liability. You know, it basically gives them immunity in cases where their products cause injury or death. In the reform effectively removed one of the drug industry's most compelling incentives to ensure that its products were safe as possible. I've been saying that every time. Why would they? I mean, the only argument they have is, well, how dare you suggest that they would do something evil? They're good people fighting for you. Well, that's ridiculous. What are we, kindergarten? They're human beings. They can be influenced by money. Or maybe they don't care. Maybe they're bad people. The bottom line is that this removes any driving this. Like They don't have to make sure it's safe. Simple. So if somebody wants to make a little extra money, they can do a little less. It's simple. And that's been driven to where we are now, where they're literally selling dangerous things under, under the guise of rushed for your safety. Rather than filing lawsuits against drug companies or against physicians, victims or their families after this transition after 1986, they now must file their claims under the Federal Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which, by the way, is what they're using today. In, in most cases, I believe they're still using the other one for the COVID ones as so far, but they're the same difference, in my opinion. They're still getting very few cases actually approved and paid out. Also, it says the damages awarded are not paid by the drug companies, and this is the most important part. They're paid by you in the form of user tax tacked on to each price of the vaccine. Plain as day. So you're paying for their mistakes, or rather you're paying for their willful incompetence, ignoring the risks to rush it out and make more money. The average cost to fully immunize a child at a private physician's office has climbed, and this is 1996, 243% since 1986. So the cost went up dramatically. 
from 107 to 367 dollars the most prominent beneficiaries have been the two producers who dominate the u.s market for dpt and polio vaccines cannot laboratories 300 million dollars a year and with lederal vaccines and pediatrics 350 million dollars a year u.s revenues for both companies have increased 300 percent since 1986 they're sure as hell reaping the benefits you know who isn't the children that are dying from the injections that are being tested properly or they don't care about one you know what i found interesting oh, actually i'm gonna wait until i think i reference it later in the article i'll come back to this point that i didn't didn't just say it says while the drug company's revenues have soared people have needlessly suffered it's just plain as day. It's written right there by the very groups that are today pretending like that statement is dangerous misinformation and really would argue that it's never been the case despite them writing it right here or at least publishing it on CNN. DPT vaccination, about one in 310,000 injections results in permanent brain damage. Now that in and of itself is crazy. That's a lot. One in 310,000 permanent brain damage. But it gets worse. Since the damage can occur in any one of the full series of five DPT shots, my God, the odds of suffering brain damage for one child who is going through the full cycle comes out to one in 62,000, which is the stat they posted earlier. Horrifying. Safer vaccines, they argue, costing $9 more a dose, have been used in Japan since 1981. Right, so they're using these other ones elsewhere, pretty much most places, except the ones that are screaming that they're mo- they're doing the most for you, except actively not, which seems to be the historic reality. The Japanese extracting only the portion of the pertussis. We're, now this is talking about the pertussis injection. Similar point. Well, it, they're extracting only the portion of the pertussis, which is whooping cough bug, that will trigger the body's immune response. They remove or neutralize poisons that are byproducts of the bacteria. Seems to make sense, right? Why would we want poisons that are byproducts of the bacteria in our injections that are most supposed to keep us safe, right? Well, guess what? By contrast, you know, in the place that's all about your safety, until recently, the two licensed DPT manufacturers with Lederal and the other one, Cognat Laboratories, used only whole bacteria, toxins and all. They described as being crude and impure by other experts from the FDA. This is incredible. And they just continue to use them anyway. Sato was merely applying technology developed, but then abandoned by American manufacturers. So yet again, this is American companies making something that's safer and then going towards the dangerous one for more money, but then still making money off the other ones by giving to other countries that are, I guess, care about safety. How crazy is that? Now, guess what? I can, this isn't even that far hard to find, but I was interested by what these, who these companies were today, right? Cognot Laboratories, I didn't look too deep into, but I didn't find any immediate connections. But please do, because I didn't look that that long on this. But guess what I found on this one? The the one, the main company that made the most money. Guess who works? Guess who they are owned by today? You guessed it. Pfizer. What a surprise. Pfizer completes its acquisition. Basically, it went from wet Lederel to wet to then wet Pfizer. So the point is they bought the company. <laughs> Is it surprising to anybody that the most one of the leading companies in this conversation that are knowingly doing dangerous things for profit at your expense is now owned by Pfizer? I mean, it's just like you couldn't have guessed. It's it's like they say, you know, if you made a movie like this, you wouldn't believe it. It's just no, that's just too that's too obvious. But they have the options; they choose not to do it. It says, "quote Sure, you can produce a much less toxic product in very low yields." And anyone who has worked on pertussis knows this. 
Like that's a common state. Well, yeah, of course you can make something that's very safe, but it doesn't make as much at once. And that costs more money. But why would we do that? So let's make something that's more toxic that we can make more money on. I mean, you're because well, you can make a higher yield, but more toxic. And that's what they do. You, are we going to pretend like the regulatory agencies, even at this time, care about your safety when this is plain and on the surface that they're doing something that's extra, they, it, it, exponentially more dangerous? One in 62,000 in regard to the DPT shot, in regard to brain damage, because they didn't do what they had to do to make it more safe, which would cost them more money. So the real point is they don't care about your safety. This is a business, which is not hard to understand if you're not blinded by the COVID propaganda. These companies at the bottom line are about making money and will actively go across that line to make more money if the governments allow that. And they do. This is what we are really faced with, I think now, is going from a vaccine that costs literally cents to produce to one that I believe is going to cost dollars to produce. And that's what it all comes down to, the money, in the context of the individual people. But it says, uh, next part, since, since July... Cognat infant DPT vaccine with a Japanese acellular pertussis component has been on the market. Nevertheless, whole cell, the one that has all the extra toxins, continues to be used in about 90% of the U.S. vaccinations. Think about how crazy that is. And now this gets even further. It's not even just the company pushing it or the government allowing it. It's that the individual distribution centers or companies or people that have money invested, they don't want to stop the money train. So they go, here's a new injection. That's exponentially safer because we don't use the whole cells and it's ready and it's available and you can take it, but they still 90% of the ones going at the time were still the dangerous ones. Quote, it says the FDA needs to pull the license on the whole cell vaccine as Japan, as Japan did and get it off the market. Right. The one that's hurting children. Nah, money, you know, how do you even explain that? So they put out the one that's safer and they allow the one that's dangerous to continue to be sold at 90% of the locations because they want to make more money. But the medical community continues to defend the old vaccine. I mean, that's ridiculous. This is my point about the medical community. They're not most of, there's plenty of experts that are not included in that because they don't say what they're supposed to. And we're seeing that today. Same the medical community, CNN says, believes these are safe and effective today. They're not. It's proven, but they'll say it anyway. Down here under the hidden risks of polio vaccine, it says the CDC sheet that doctors are required by law to give to parents in 1996 still states that so-called contact polio is a risk only for people who never had the vaccine against the disease. But the CDC at this time, and even as they write in this article, knew better. So why, why do we trust them today? There's one very stark example of them knowingly lying to people so they wouldn't be afraid of what they knew was possible. Now, you could argue it's because they thought it was in your best interest, but it's the same garbage they spend today, even if it's the case. They're lying to you. That's not safe. That's not, that's not, there's no informed consent there. But it says the organization realizes that people who were vaccinated are susceptible to contact polio, right? So they knew, and here again, the point is that exists to this day. They did this. They knew that they would cause polio in some cases. They lied about it, and kept happening, which, by the way, kept justifying the injection or rather the, in, the oral polio vaccine. See how that works? So it's a cycle, whether that's by choice or not. That's what happened. Now, down here, it says, so why is the oral vaccine still in use in 98 percent? Same as the other one. Ninety eight percent of the 20 million annual polio vaccinations in the U.S. when they know that it creates polio vaccine or polio sickness. John Salomon of the Oakton, Virginia 
of Oakton, Virginia, whose son David, now six, has polio as a result of the oral immunization, says, quote, the answer is that it all comes down to money. A physician put in perspective for me when he said, I had to understand I was fighting a $200 million industry. See, the physicians see it too. They're just afraid to speak up today. A a $230 million industry, to be exact, embodied in one company, with Lederal, Pfizer today, the sole supplier of oral polio vaccine in the United States. The sole supplier. Now, gee, I wonder why they're pushing it now, seeing as how now Pfizer owns that. Isn't that interesting? Well, here's a quick clip I want to play because I remember I forgot. I, I was just looking at it earlier about the process of doctors suddenly deciding to speak the truth. And this is happening. Hopefully more of them will rise up and speak the truth. No, no. Initially, um, I did not make any of those reports because I was afraid, as many doctors are, because as soon as you get caught up in criticizing the mRNA vaccines, then all this fear and pressure from our colleagues and from the college and from ARPA and everybody starts coming down on you. So um, I made recommendation in my notes, but did I go ahead and have the guts to report it to the TGA? No, I did not, because that was back in the day when I valued my job and my family and my security and my finances more than my patients. And I apologize for that, and I'm sorry for that, and that's what I'm trying to do now, is to make up for my past mistakes by honoring the medical ethics that I uh, ascribe to, which is helping the patients first. Good for him, too. Good for him. Going forward, under a deadly new worry, it goes, it continues, there is another polio vaccine risk, quote, a ticking time bomb, according to Harvard Medical School professor Ronald Desrosier, Desrosier, that public health officials are reluctant to discuss, frankly. This is one of the most important parts, because this is, this is what we, and I'm going to reference the WHO article I've showed many times again, showing you that this is not new. This is 1996. This article is 2007. 2011, excuse me, and I'll show you that this continued. So the people that speak up, they get attacked all the way back then. What's happening now is that we're part of that too. Now we're speaking up as average people and we also get attacked from the establishment, but they've never cared about what's safe for you. That's the reality about all this. And as it points out, what is it, they ask, the the polio virus that is used in both the wet, the Wyeth Ledral, now Pfizer or oral vaccine and the Connaught's injected version is grown on monkey's kidney tissue. So even the one that doesn't cause the, the they claim polio, it's still being you, you, it's still grown in monkey's kidney tissue. It says, quote, the danger in using monkey tissue to produce human vaccines is and the Harvard professor says is that some viruses produced by monkeys may be transferred to humans in the vaccine with very bad health consequences. What? That's what he said. This is that he is literally pointing at what might in fact be happening today or already happened before. I mean, uh, uh, um, Dr. V, Dr. Mikovits made very relevant points in exactly this direction a long time ago. This, I, I believe there's a lot to this, whether we're talking about the, the VADES overlap here with, you know, a vaccine induced, uh, immune uh, uh, immune deficiency, autoimmunity, and the different versions of it. We're watching this play out. That's happening to some degree for sure. So, is that part of this? Is that what we're watching at, or is that what we're looking at? And then we have the other example of the up here. They reference the where was it? No, I can't find it again. 
you know, the other the other monkey virus thing that the, the Italian study talked about circulating because of these injections. There's multiple examples of this. And so why does this not matter? This is a Harvard school professor from 1996 saying that either one of these they use, including the one they're currently today promoting, owned by Pfizer, at least, or, you know, it was owned by Wedrith that was bought by Pfizer. I can't prove that they own all the, I mean, I should have looked into that actually now to think about it. But the point being that this is very risky from both sides of this that can cause this potential outbreak of, of or rather specifically transfer these viruses to people. So if we're looking for some example of zoonotic transfer, there you go. It's right there. So I, this is maybe why we could argue that experts would say there's no such things. It doesn't happen in the wild. Well, <laughs> this isn't in the wild, is it? This is being uh, this is an experiment in genetic manipulation. That's what we're looking at. That's even more more so happening today. The accumulating body of evidence from research around the world has heightened the fears many scientists have expressed for years in 1996 about the dangers of using monkey tissue in vaccine production, particularly when there are safer alternatives available. There's no question that our polio vaccines should be made exclusively with killed viruses grown on human diploid tissue. Now, look, they, these have changed over the years since 1996. My simple point, though, is that these things have they were continued to be used well past 1996, were well before this, and did that develop into what we're dealing with today in some way? Or was this the experiment that led to what we're dealing with now? In any case, they're at least claiming that oral polio is circulating, or rather polio is circulating, and that they can prove that's a vaccine-derived stream. So it all connects together. Now, it says Peter Patricia. Oh, uh, hold on. It says, quote, there's no question that our polio vaccines should be made exclusively. Yeah, I did read that. That was a Harvard, uh, Howard uh, Ernovitz, a microbiologist from Berkeley. Peter Patricia, deputy director of the Division of Viral Products at the FDA says he sees no need to stop producing polio vaccines with monkey tissue. Don't you love that? No, no, no follow-up medical explanation. Okay, so what they just said is true. You can look this up to this day. And all, all the FDA says, ah, there's no need. <laughs> oh, you mean monkey viruses? Ah, no big deal. There's no need to make something different. End of comment? Okay, great. Why not? <laughs> it's pretty obvious, and history shown that he was wrong. But what I think this is, is the FDA doing what they've always been doing shilling for the pharmaceutical industry. Government thinking is best summed up by Neil Hazley, Helsey, who is a member of the advisory committees, both the CDC and American Academy of Pediatrics. He cautions, get this, this is exactly what we're seeing today from the same people in the same positions. They cautioned the money platform, CN, uh, Money um, Magazine, against, quote, raising a hypothetical concern. Nothing about this is hypothetical, by the way. That's what they, he said, though, raising a hypothetical concern that could jeopardize vaccine supply. Got it. So the possibility, even though this isn't a possibility, but his comment, the possibility that this could be killing children is less important than the risk of losing supply. Get, that's exactly what we're being told right now about Scotland and neonatal deaths and anybody else, excess death, what we'll get, which we'll get into next. They just go, well, don't, I'm not even going to look because that might cause vaccine hesitancy. It's wild sort of a similar analogy of saying that they're rushing things through for your safety. It doesn't make any sense. It says, if it were a real concern, the FDA wouldn't allow the production of vaccine on monkey tissue. Well, that's pretty self-serving. That's like, that's the same as everything else. Well, if it was against the law, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> but you do, though. And you did, though. It says that viewpoint, of course, overlooks the fact, and I'm saying this is back when they were at least trying to be honest, that overlooks the fact that the FDA allowed the production of polio vaccine that contained SV40 
SIV and SCMV with human health consequences that are just beginning to be understood and then shut up again. And now they're happening further like this. They just beginning to be understood, but then they got couched and hovered up and lied to about again. But the SV for uh, this, this SV 40, I was looking at it. I forgot to, I don't think I want to include it for a specific reason, but it's saying the uh, previously undetected monkey virus called SV 40. So they have SV 40 in them. That's what they're talking about. So the FDA, according to CNN, allowed the production of this that contained SV40 that no that does for sure have health consequences, even according to the Harvard professors. And yet all they do is go, there's no reason. We wouldn't do it if it was dangerous. See, this is at a time when they knew they had far more cover to just lean back into the clout of what they are. Nobody trusts these people today. Back then, I don't think they trusted them either, but at least they had the perceived clout that the FDA wouldn't dare do something against you that would be done dangerous for you. But they're wrong, and they are. Moves that must be made right now. It finishes, stop hiding facts. There's a bunch of other things they discuss, but I'll read the last part. When federal health officials and pediatricians refrain from warning the public about risks out of fear that parents will stop immunizing their children, exactly what we're being told today, they insult parents' intelligence and endanger the public's health. Isn't it funny how CNN can be saying the exact opposite today? How much you want to bet this gets removed from the website in the next so many days? The funny part about this is that what if you say that today, you're called a conspiracy theorist. They're, the argument is that we're not experts. You're not a scientist. You have to trust what the CDC tells you. Well, th- what, then what's the argument here? Were, were we more knowledgeable back then? No, you could prove that's not the case. People know far more about this topic today. That what they're telling you in this case is exactly the truth. That by pretending that we don't want to tell them the truth because the, fe- the reality might scare them away. That's exactly the point. The reality should scare them away. Or at the very least, it's called informed consent. Parents, they say, deserve the facts so they can make informed choices. By not giving them the facts, whether you think it'll scare them or not, that's not an informed choice. They're breaking the law everywhere they look today. Now, former NIH researcher Mark Greer says that when he speaks out publicly in 1996 about vaccine risks, or testifies on behalf of vaccine-damaged children that were happening back then. Farm, I would argue, it's, it's, if, I, you know, I don't want to get into that. The point is, there. who knows whether they're more dangerous by choice today or not, but realize that they were using, it is, there's a lot more damaging things to look into back post-1986 in between this time frame. But he goes, uh, when he speaks on their behalf and stands up for these people and talks about the risks, he's frequently characterized, uh, criticized by other physicians. See, this has been going on much longer than we realize. Quote, they agree privately that what I say is accurate, but warn that if I'm not careful, I'll scare people away from vaccines. And this is why they are completely brainwashed on the gospel of vaccines, which then even if, if they buy into it, that, that, that even means that they understand the risks, but have been so brainwashed by the fact that these things are godsends that they will hide the risks from you because they've convinced themselves that it's in your best interest to lie to you. By the way, they're breaking the Hippocratic Oath when they do that. There's no informed consent when they do that. It says, if you operate on the premise, the article finishes, that you can't tell the public about problems with vaccines because you'll scare them away, then unfortunately, the problems don't get fixed. And here we are. Same problems, same people, same lies, same dangers. Same censorship. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, to, re- to go through this quickly, just since you guys have seen this many times. So that was two- 1996. Entered 2011. For those that haven't seen this, this is on the Wayback Machine because they deleted this already. 
Health is more than influenza. Now, all you have to do to make, if you don't, if you just simply made this health is more than COVID, it's the exact same thing because that's exactly what's happening today, even using the same lie. Even the HHS called this out. I wasn't able to grab that really quickly before I got started. But it says the repeated pandemic health scares in 2011 caused by the avian H5N1 and the new H1N1, both of which they point back at as pandemics in danger. They weren't, though, as even the WHO is pointing out. Pandemic health scares were part of a culture of fear, not rooted in reality. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. That's where we are right now. Oh, no, the long COVID or what the variant could become. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. The precautionary stocking of largely useless antivirals and irrational vaccination policies against an unusually benign H1N1, which they still pretend is dangerous today, wasted many billions of euros and eroded the trust of the public health officials. Long since gone even then, by the way. In both pandemics of fear, the exaggerated claims of a a severe public health threat stemmed primarily from disease advocacy by influenza experts. See my point? You could literally say the same sentence today. In in the pandemic of fear we're living in, the exaggerated claims of severe public health threat stem primarily from disease advocacy by COVID experts, which are people like Fauci today. In the highly competitive market of health governance, the struggle for attention, budgets, and grants is fierce. The pharmaceutical industry, like Pfizer and Moderna, and the media, like Fox and CNN, only reacted to this welcome boon. Because they're all funded by these groups, Pfizer and so on. Disease experts wish to capture public attention, like Fauci, and sway resource allocation decisions in favor of the disease in their interest. That's why they all scream about certain things. Like when we get to the candida point to finish, guess who's bringing that up? Well, none other than the expert on that topic of the WHO going, this is the new thing. She has a vested interest in making that the new thing, just as one point. But it says decisions must be based on adaptive responses to emerging problems, not definitions. Now, what's funny is to me, from me saying that the expert on these bacterial infections from the WHO would say that only to promote her own interests is like the craziest naive thing in the world to the corporate media mainstream sphere, right? I'm just this conspiracy theorist child to understand how things work. But then explain to me why the WHO said in 2011 right there, the exact thing. Right. They just don't they don't want to address the fact that this was expressed by high level experts before this point in time because they just don't want to engage with it. But this is the point. This is continued from 1996 and continued from 2011. All they do was get rid of these people and continue the illusion. That's where we are right now. And here we are. Polio coming up everywhere because of the oral polio vaccine. It's a vaccine derived strain. That's the reality. Now, talking about the COVID injections that are exactly in the same thing, that's exactly the problem that we're living through today that we've seen in 1996 and many other examples in between that in 2011, here's what's happening now. One of many examples that we've shown you of excess death as the expose continued to do a great job, October 26, 2022. Why, the, why have deaths among children across Europe increased by 755% since the, the EMA approved COVID vaccines for kids? This is Europe. You can look at the data for yourself, guys. There's no denying this. It comes directly from Euromomo, right? We, we pointed this out many times. You can look at it. I've looked myself. This is exactly what we're talking about. Now, there's arguments they'll make, of course. Well, it's because COVID, which is, you can prove isn't true, seeing as how they're the least affected. And all they seem to claim these days is like 400, 500 hospitalizations or so many deaths. Even that's been shown not to be true. So there's no way it could be this much increase. But we, are, we already see that it's not COVID-related. 
but they argue that it's because of lockdowns or they, you know, they were, they weren't being treated for other problems. And so it's expected that that's also proven not to be true, right? Because much of this excess death is not provable cancers that didn't end up getting treated. A lot of it is unexplainable deaths. Kids collapsing suddenly. We don't know why. SIDS and SADS and everything else and everything we can't explain. Right. That's the point. It wouldn't be unexplainable if it was cancer that didn't get treated or any other frame therein. It wouldn't be that. So when you have a 755% increase only in 2022 alone, how do you ignore that? Official mortality figures collated by the European Mortality Monitoring Project using data provided by 29 European countries reveal that ever since they approved the first COVID injection, excess deaths among 0 to 14-year-olds have been recorded on a weekly basis. The increase in deaths has been so drastic. And by the way, it's this specific age group in the specific area is crazy. But you can find similar excess death, unprecedented spikes pretty much everywhere there's a mass vaccination program. I've, I've proven this. People like John Campbell have talked about this. It's not a secret, but they're still hiding it. But it says... The increase in deaths has been so drastic that by the 18th of September in 2022, excess deaths among children were 630% higher than the five-year average. That is wild. How do you even, I mean, one year, there could maybe be something, but five-year average, and that boils down to 755% increase over 2022 alone. Wow. I mean, this is just outrageous that this is being ignored. And the point being, guys, is this, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even need to truly dive into this because we've been showing you this. This is what's happening around the world. And the reason this is so stark is because you're taking a specific age group of people that are being the most damaged by these things, even though they're at the least risk from whatever they say is happening, if it's even there. And this is what we're continuing to see. Now, again, I'm not even trying I'm not even trying to connect the dots anymore and find out if they've gotten an injection or not. It almost doesn't even matter at this point. Because there's so many of this, so many kids or adults or athletes or anybody, Canadian doctors, whatever category you look at, when you can see this exponential increase in, in sudden death and unexplainable death, it's not heart attacks, right? It's not, oh, they had a heart problem and they get treated during the lockdown. No, there's unex- it's unexplainable, which means it's not something that didn't get treated and nobody cares to look into it on the side trying to hide from the vaccine side effects or injection. And so over and over and over, we continue to see this death of 21 year old, a, a highly fit soccer player. Puzzling death. Who knows what happened? Well, is anybody even asking if it's the thing that can cause exactly that problem? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope, fake news. Fake news. Here's another example. This is a mom on the record. Now, I truly 100 percent believe it was because of the injection. Grieving mother vows to bring justice following the sudden death of her healthy and athletic 18 year old daughter. It's just breaks my heart this is constant every day just like with the polio or dpt or the rest of them where they don't care they hide from it and even i just showed you this the other day this is still what they're saying no matter which covid vaccine series you got how many doses you got doesn't even matter get your new one at least two months since your last dose so now think about this guys you know what this clearly suggests that you'll be getting doses for two months for the rest of your life you know why? Because right now they're coming out and going, oh, the new thing's no better. It's the same. It wanes immediately and doesn't help and produces a response. Is it the right response? We don't know, though. We don't know because we don't have any proof correlative protection. We just say we see antibodies produced. Therefore, we pretend that that means safe and effective. It's not what that means. 
And on top of all the stuff we just talked about, you know, it's also happening, like literally actually still happening, which I can't even believe they have. They, they, they I, I think these people should be immediately arrested. I don't care what the situation is here. I don't care if this person is in a mental institution. And the reason being, what you're about to see is a person who's getting forced vaccinated still right now is people are arguing, well, he's in a, you know, a hospital or whatever. What it, does that matter when you're talking about something that is not safe, something that is right now being questioned around the world? Other governments in, in, in Norwegian countries are like pulling it entirely. And yet you're going to pretend that it's so important to this person who, regardless of whether they're in a mental institute, is outwardly saying, no, I do not consent. And they force them anyway. You know what? This, this is happening in places that we don't see. We saw it in, in the Canadian hospitals. We saw it where they were forcing people in nursing homes in, in the UK. We saw this. The videos they, they got snuck out where they were literally holding down elderly people and forced vaccinating them. And then six out of eight of them died. I mean, we talked about this story. This is, is nothing if not criminal. These people are surrounding me with an injection with a needle that they want to chemically rape me with, that I have to deal with the mind control effects and the debilitating effects. Of, and they've got security guards about to touch me and, it's, and hold me down and inject me because I don't give consent. And this doctor, I've told that she's breaking a law of liberty and I want to know the reasons why she's injecting me with a toxic substance that is debilitating my mental health and she's saying I need it for my mental health. I mean, just look at this person. Like You are choosing, I don't care what situation it is, to force this. You are deciding that you know better, that this thing, you know better than high-level experts around the world that are at least questioning the safety or the fact that, I mean, what are you given? The bivalent? Has it even been tested on humans? Does it even matter? I mean, it, it, it's, this is off the rails. Like, it, it's totally backwards, and this system, like, I don't know why. All right, lay down, please. See, now they're, now they're ordering me around. I've got human rights. Law of liberty and the law of human rights give me the right to neglect medical treatment. True. And there's a legislation and a mental health act. See? See what they're doing? See what they're doing? My God, that's terrifying. And he's right, by the way. The International Bioethics Agreement, whether UNESCO or otherwise, all state roundly that, that they, you don't get to pretend because the point is that you have the right to, con to inform consent. And, and, and the, I mean, this, I got to just, I makes me want to punch something when you see that kind of thing happening. It reminds me of that video we play on the Dr. Speak Out video. Right. Where that guy, remember this was, this was in like 2021 or 2020, even it was like right in the beginning before it even was mass being uh, distributed. And that guy got forced something. We watched it happen. They forced the injection in him. And I believe that was happening early on. We like we saw in the nursing homes. Scary. Now here's a, uh, this is somebody I'm not familiar with, but I, somebody shared him is another independent researcher. He shares this out and he's right. I love this is a good, you know, overlap. 12, 16, 21, Biden was saying for, for unvaccinated. And remember the speech too. We're looking at a winter of severe illness and death. And if you're unvaccinated for themselves, their families and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. Remember that? And now, as you just saw the other day, this is what they're now saying. As, as of December, or excuse me, uh, October 2020, 25, 25th, 2022. Almost everyone who will die from their COVID this year will be uh, not up to date on their shots. And you know the point there. That means that the vast majority of people that will die will be people that have injections. So funny how that shifted, isn't it? And I pointed this out the other day. The reason they're not talking about the unvaccinated anymore is because they're not the ones getting sick. Virtually every COVID death in America is preventable. Virtually everyone. Almost everyone who will die from COVID this year will not be up to date on their shots or they will not have taken Paxlovid. 
All right. And I exactly, which is what we're telling you that most people dying are people injected. Now, and I also went over the other day or the yesterday on the breakdown of what they're claiming is the is the percentages. And right now, but even their numbers where they with a caveat say, oh, some first doses got accidentally categorized as third doses. So it's like so nothing means anything, right? It's all fake. <laughs> they're just putting them wherever they want. But even with that altered manipulation of numbers. They claim 20% out there has never even gotten a single shot. That's a huge grouping. What's well, 20% of 33 of th- 333 million? It's a lot. Millions of people, right? I, 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 I'm breaking it down. To, I don't even want to try to make it, make it wrong. The point being is that that's a huge, gigantic grouping of people, right? And yet they don't even talk about it anymore. All they'd have to do is simply highlight those people, as I made the point the other day. What about all the high level people, which there's a lot of them in Republican politics, pundits, people like, you know, I'm not Republican, but people like myself, you know, that are avidly speaking out about the dangers of this, that have clearly never gotten an injection, that have clearly never gotten COVID. I mean, I've been going strong four or five shows a week throughout this whole damn thing. I've I've never got the sniffles, first of all, but I feel like I'm pretty healthy. The point, though, is that you should have seen, based on their argument, a right example of just constantly the Republicans, people on shows collapsing or getting sick or dying. None of that happened. You know who we're only pretty much exclusively seeing on Twitter and elsewhere? People in the left. Now, you could argue the right wouldn't want to admit that it happened, but you know that it would, spe- it would squeak out, especially if they were high level people. If they just suddenly stopped being doing a show for a week or really the point about death. If they're claiming we're all going to die because this is so dangerous, you would see all of us. Our shows would go out of they wouldn't be aired and people would stop broadcasting. They wouldn't be showing up for congressional meetings and people would be like, what happened? That didn't happen, did it? I mean, you just can't miss how obvious that is and realize that it's much more than 20%. But then on top of that, you've got another huge chunk of like 30, 40% that never went past those two that said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then even more so, only 5%, as I understand it, have gotten the new thing. People are aware of what he just said in the not the way he meant it. Now, on top of that, they just add this at the end of it. Just in, safety panel of the European drug regulator now recommends adding, guess what, guys? This crazy conspiracy theory, heavy menstrual menstrual bleeding as a posted side effect on both mRNA and Pfizer injections. Comirnaty and spike backs. So the approved ones, apparently, heavy menstrual bleeding. But no, 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 there's no effect on reproductivity or, or anything in regard to this at all. Now, that doesn't necessarily prove that those have effects on, effects on reproductivity or, or um, um, fertility. But it does, though, because of the peer-reviewed science that has found that repeatedly. This is just an example of how that is affecting that general process. That's the truth. They shouted this down as well when it first came out. It's absolutely incredible. But it's all right there in front of you. Now, in regard to how those boosters or injections, whatever they're calling them these days, aren't working... I found this to be a pretty interesting overlap. OAS is happening, which is the uh, the original antigenic sin is what it's called. And I'll show you in a minute is happening. And it might have a genetic susceptibility in particular HLL, HLA genotypes. Now, I'll show you what this means. Essentially, that if you got it before or you either got an older injection with different variants or whatever we're talking about in there, that that in and of itself is sort of blocking you from being able to accept whatever this new thing could give you. Now, that could just be a way of kind of hiding the fact that this new thing just doesn't work. Either way you look at it, they're essentially admitting it doesn't work. And in fact, could be more dangerous for you, which of course that's being dramatically downplayed, if not ignored by the corporate media. This person follows up and says, don't worry, Eric Topol is here to tell everyone that immune imprinting is a good thing. And I'll show you what these mean. Before we get to that, we'll come back to it. 
Here is what he's talking about. It's called original antigenic sin. How first exposure to any given thing, whether they're talking about influenza in this case, but let's just take whatever you're calling COVID. Or in fact, if you take the injection, your first introduction to the spike protein or whatever they claim is in there, that first exposure shapes lifelong anti-fill-in-the-blank virus immune responses, right? So COVID, spike protein, whatever we're talking about. So that's what's called original antigenic sin. This is from 2019. That's what he's talking about. And so this study is getting into the idea, I'll just read this right off the abstract. This is from yesterday. It says the emergence of SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant, and I believe they're specifically talking about these new ones, or maybe they just, it says variant, not, not plural. So I think they mean the most recent, but it could just in general mean variants, has raised concern of escape from vaccine-induced immunity. So what they're saying is that the, the, exactly the same point. The, the new ver- variants, after you've taken this first thing, are raising concerns that causes you, whatever they make next, to not have, be, to, not have to create vaccine-induced immunity or escape from that meaning you don't have it, which again, these are all just terms they're using. I simply argue the injection is destroying your immune system and your body's fighting, not fighting off anything at this point, or rather it's having a hard time fighting off anything. A number of studies have demonstrated a reduction in antibody-mediated neutralization of specifically the Omicron variant in vaccinated individuals. Not unvaccinated individuals because or people with natural immunity, but specifically people that took these series of injections are now suddenly not able to fight off anything. Weird. In this study, we describe the impact of changes in Omicron BA1, BA2, BA3 have on recognition by spike-specific T-cells, right? So basically your body's T-cells and whether it's affecting how it responds to things that end up in your body after you're already engaged with the first one. These T-cells constitute the immunodominant TD, uh, CD8 T-cell response in HLA-A29-02, whatever, COVID-19 convalescent and vaccinated individuals. However, they fail to recognize the Omicron-encoded sequence. Interesting. These observations demonstrate that in addition to evasion of antibody-mediated immunity, changes in Omicron variants can also lead to evasion of recognition by immunodominant T-cell responses. So exactly what we're talking about. So this you could end up not being able to fight the next thing off because you took this first thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's ex- no matter how they want to frame this, this is every way this goes, it's hurting your body's responses to seemingly everything. This is the problem. Now this, oh, that's right. This was about immune. So uh, was it after this one? No, okay. So we're talking about immune imprinting. Oh, that's right. That's right. Now I'm remembering why I included this. So what's interesting to me, that's what they're essentially referencing, the idea of immune imprinting. That's, that's also what it's called. And whether that has an effect on this, right? They're now pointing at this currently of the newest iteration of this and saying, oh, we now we're suddenly realizing it's a problem. But guess what? They already knew this. So I can't miss how often they do the thing that they've already researched and found wouldn't work. Right? Or let's say everybody use cloth masks when they know based on their previous research that's the one thing that will increase your risk of infection. Or not the one thing, but the worst example of it. Was that a choice? Did they intentionally create the risk of infection increase in the mask, which we're going to get into next? So they could point at that later? I don't know. But it's hard to miss how everything they did, lockdowns, everything, it increased your risk of getting sick. November 2021 on the National Library of Medicine, immune imprinting and SARS-CoV-2 vaccine design, like exactly what we're talking about, reformulating severe acute respiratory syndrome vaccine. So this is even talking about the new reformulations with variant strains is being pursued to combat the global surge. So that's what we're talking about, the bivalent, right? Right adding new strains to it to combat the new things. 
But at this time, this was at, in, in November 2021, they said, we hypothesize that this might be suboptimal due to immune imprinting from earlier vaccination or infection with the original SARS-CoV-2 strain. New strategies may be needed to improve efficacy. So did they, were they trusting the science? Apparently, they don't care about the science. Apparently, they go, oh, well, this peer-reviewed study says it's not going to work. Let's do it anyway, though. Let's see what happens. And guess what? It didn't work. And that's exactly what happened because that's what they're now telling you. That is going on. And that's why you're finding all these new stu- uh, articles, which I just showed you yesterday, where they're saying the bivalent's not working. It's no better than the old ones. But guess what? That's not accurate. It's far worse than the old ones if this is what's happening. Funny how they're downplaying that by saying, meh, about the same. No. Well, I mean, maybe they're quietly admitting that the old ones were deadly, and that's why they're saying they're the same. Who knows what game they're playing these days? The reality is that this is already, they were aware of this. They knew this was going to be a problem. They went forward anyway. They put them out. Now it's happening, and people aren't taking it anyway. But here is Eric Topol, back to the tweet that he was responding down here, saying, imprinting is a good thing. Here's what he said. New on the bivalent BA5 vaccine booster immune response in people, no better neutralizing antibody response than the originals. All right, that we've already shown you that. That's what the all these mainstream articles are selling you on. That's the story. Just as good. So get it anyway. That's what they're simply doing. But here's a study we'll look at. And he says, this is the point they were sharing before. These findings may be indicative of immunological imprinting. Bottom line, until more data are available, regard the bivalent as equivalent. Right. I love how you skip the most important part of the actual discussion and jump to the point where they go, do the injection anyway. Yeah, maybe you got an agenda. Yeah, I mean, we know Eric Topol and the role he's played. Here's what it actually says. This is, the, this is what he's pointing at, October 24th. Antibody responses to Omicron BA4 or 5 bivalent mRNA booster shot. <laughs> booster shot. The FDA has recently granted emergency use authorization. And this was, uh, oh, I just looked at it, 24th, excuse me, October 24th. Granted emergency use authorization, which, by the way, is illegal because they have approved versions, to new bivalent formulations of the original Moderna and Pfizer injections that target both the ancestral strain as well as the BA4 and 5 pair. Well, I don't, it, isn't it strange they keep doing that? You wouldn't say both this one and two things. I mean, am I wrong on that? You would say, it, it, I mean, that's weird. I think that's because their article, their research did seem to say only focused on one and it just happened to be dealing with the other. That's what I saw early on in their research, but who knows? I think that's strange. Anyway, the point is, despite their widespread use as a vaccine boost, Little is known about the antibody responses induced in humans. Think about how, that's incredible. And it's not even new for you guys. You know this because we've been playing that clip where they admit that there's no correlative of protection. It means they don't know if the, the response is actually translating to protecting you. And then can you repeat the, the second question? I mean, obviously you have a lot of data now. What is your protection is. Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's a long question. We need a quick answer. (laughs) I would say there is no established correlate of protection. That was during one of the recent, not the last one, but the one before that, when they approved this for young children or, or authorized it, emergency authorized. And the point being, they don't know. And so if you're questioning whether that was a misstatement or we're confused, it's not. It's right here in current research. Little is known about the antibody responses. Even Fauci simply said, well, it's causing a clinical response. And there was no pushback by the garbage corporate media. Well, is it the right clinical response? Well, we don't know. And we've already played you the clips where Fauci and other doctors admit that if we don't know 
if you produce the wrong antibodies, that could be dangerous. Right? We've shown you that. Oh, here, I'll just play this one since it's right in front of me. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses, that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance, in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Right. And Fauci's on the record saying that when he interviewed with, with Mr. Metaverse. It's all on the record. So they don't know about the antibody responses, and they're doing it anyway. Here it says, we collected Sarah from several clinical cohorts. Individuals after three or four doses of the original monovalent vaccines injections, individuals receiving the new bivalent injections as a fourth dose, my God, and individuals with BA4 and 5 breakthrough infections following the injection. (laughs) Just so fucking ridiculous how obviously that's not working. But it says, at three to five weeks post-booster shot, Individuals who received a fourth injection dose with a bivalent mRNA vaccine targeting the BA5 and 4 had similar neutralizing antibody titers as those receiving a fourth monovalent injection. The point being is it works the same and it comes along with all the same side effects. It wanes just as quickly. And on top of that, we're seeing this other problem where just because it's producing the response, it doesn't mean that you're actually protected. That's, that's what we're finding. All this ties together. Those who received a fourth monovalent vaccine dose had a slightly slightly higher neutralizing antibody titers than those. And again, all they're showing is a a clinical response. They don't know if those titers that are showing antibodies are in fact translating to protection. I think the real world evidence that they're hiding from an excess death proves it's not. In fact, proves it's making it much worse. That's my opinion based on the data. But it says that those received the bivalent vaccine against three related sub sarbe coronaviruses and it's weird they always use different ones in the SARS-CoV, G, Pangolin it's weird. When, when given as a fourth dose, a bivalent mRNA vaccine targeting specifically 4 and 5 and an ancestral strain did not induce superior neutralizing antibody responses in humans at the time period tested compared to the original monovalent injections. Okay. So right now, not only are they telling you that you have to get the first two that aren't functional, that have no bearing on what's going on today to get to this third one that then or fourth or fifth or wherever you are, does not connect. That's what they're saying right there. It's no it's no better. Then you add in the other science. This is on a peer reviewed platform on nature that's telling you that it's your previous um, introduction to these other injections are stopping you from having a response that benefits you in the in the next part of it i mean everywhere you look about this it's showing you that these things are not working now the next part to realize and this is in response to the same tweet is you you remember this graph that we showed you and i'll show you the way it looks today the variants we're talking about if that's even what's happening based on their narratives i don't know why they would make that up but certainly all sorts of things we don't know about what they're doing but the arguments of the variants clearly exploded with the administration of the injections. You can see, I mean, I'll show you the actual graph here, but as it says here is Gert Van Bosch. I tried to warn you, don't mass vaccinate healthy people in the middle of a pandemic. It forces escape variants. Well, clearly that's what they're claiming happened. But the point is that right up until December, 2020, which was the vax launch, there is just the basic continuation of what was there. Then you see it explode post injections to all sorts of different variants. Many of which you've never even heard of. So we're told, right? Now that's correlation, but it's pretty damn obvious because if it was about not if people that didn't have the injections, then it would have been exploding in 2020. That, it's simple as that. Now here's what it looks like now. Same point, guys. 
you can see same thing from here forward is where the first explosion happened. But check out the timeline explosion after this. It perfectly correlates with exactly what you might think, right? We're talking past December, beginning of 2022. Guess what happened? October 23rd, 2021, COVID vaccine boosters are now available. The first version of the, the, the boosters, right? Well, that's exactly where this began. Right. So you can give it. So at the end of October, so you have November where they're beginning to be given and it really picks up speed, December, uh, beginning of it. And then boom. I mean, that's, that's exactly the timeline you're seeing over here. Right. We can see the start right here. End of December 2020. And then, you know, pretty much about a month forward. Boom. It starts off. It's the same thing. Though it is correlation. But now we've got two, three, four of them in a row. How much more do we need to see? Taken in conjunction with all the evidence we're seeing. That that is what we're looking at. Every time they do a new administration, it continues to explode. But now people aren't taking it anymore. So that's that's why I think it's where we are. But here is the overall view of this. And you could just map this out, guys. You can literally walk through this. Here's another way to look at it, which I think is a little more interesting. It shows you the timeline and where they kind of branch off and explode. And every single one of these correlates with the administration of the injections. Simple. Now, finally... What's next? Who knows? Plenty of different things, I'm sure. But something else that they're at least pointing at right now, I think is very telling. Mystery user points this out, tags me. Thank you for that. United Nations Health Agency said emerging evidence indicates that the incident and geographic range of fungal diseases are expanding around the world due to increases in travel as well as climate change. Of course, climate change. What isn't because climate change, right? Of course. Because, you know, it got hotter yesterday, so everything's because... I mean, it's just so funny, because it's such a stupid argument that I was going to make this again in the article. Are we pretending that the temperature we're currently feeling right now, you know, average, around the globe, is somehow unprecedented? It's not. So what does that even mean? Because climate change, that we're having more fungal things? So is, what are we talking about? Is it because there's more ice and more heat? More what, Exactly. Neither of these things are unprecedented. So at point, we're at a point we've been at many times before, but we haven't experienced the same thing. So they're just simply going, well, climate change. But that's a correlation at the best, if you even believe that's what's happening. But they don't care about that because they'll call everything climate change that goes along with either covering up what's happening today or leading into the next direction. I think that's been proven because of how flimsy some of these claims are. But here's what the article says. Fox News. Potentially deadly fungal infections climb during COVID pandemic. WHO says. They even call it a, they, I guess they stopped short of literally designating an, 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 a public health concern, like, like the other things they're talking about, but they simply stated, quote, a public health concern nation worldwide, right? There's that actual official title. I think it's an international, a, a threat of international public concern. Well, I forget the acronym. Corbett and I talked about it, but the point is that this is just their statement, but they're still claiming that this is a worldwide concern. You know what this is? At least in part, I'm proving to you, and I've proven before, something that masks are causing. Now, I'm not claiming I know that all of it is because of that, because I'm objective, and I can't know that for sure, but the reality is, for sure, part of this is because of that. And the masks are doing nothing, if not exacerbating everything they're coming in contact with, because they're increasing your risk of infection, they're decreasing your immune system, and everywhere you look, and then you take injections that are causing lymphocytopenia, a dysregulation of the immune system, causing autoimmunity, immune deficiency, on and on and on. Everything that's happening today is setting you up for perfect storm of sickness, if you're taking part in their games. Here's what it says. 
The World Health Organization on Tuesday warned that reported invasive fungal infections increased significantly among hospitalized patients during the pandemic. Now, first of all, you know that people in hospitals more than anywhere are forced to wear masks. So that's first. Now, obviously, I'm, you know, I, you guys, I stress that you come to your own conclusions here. Because there's, like I said, beyond a doubt, this is in part happening. But whether it's all of it or not, that's I just want you to question that. But I'm, of course, I'm going to point out things in the direction of that correlation because that's what we're talking about. The UN Health Agency said emerging evidence indicates that the incidence and geographic range of fungal diseases are expanding around the world due to the increases in travel as well as climate change, which is strange because aren't we at a point where we've had we've never seen less travel historically? Like maybe not as little as we saw during the peak of the lockdowns, but sure enough, we've got China, the whole China locking down hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, that it, there's no way we're seeing increase in travel po- more so than we saw post pre-COVID. So that would suggest that we're not traveling more now than they were before then. So it's not unprecedented. So why would the travel only right now matter more than before? You see my point? It's just they're just they're probably just saying that's likely what's happening. And the point is that the evidence shows you that it's clearly because of, I think, what they're doing to you. Because it's not just the mask. What they're doing is increasing your risk of infection. The injections we've proven are increasing your risk of infection, which makes your body susceptible to things just like this or systemic inflammation or any number of things. But it says that the emerging, quote, emerging from the shadows of the bacterial antimicrobial resistant pandemic. What does that even mean? Fungal infections are growing and are ever more resistant to treatments, becoming a public health concern worldwide. Okay, am I missing something here? What is the bacterial antimicrobial resistant pandemic? This is a direct quote. The WHO's assistant director general of specifically antimicrobial resistance. Great. So she's like, microbial and and (laughs) everything I'm responsible for. That's what we should grab. It's, It's exploding everywhere. Now, I'm being facetious. My point is going back to the WHO document that says that these kind of people will scream about their problem because they that benefits them, at least in part. But what's a bacterial antimicrobial resistant pandemic? Right. But understand that she's not saying that's what's coming. She's saying emerging from the shadows as if what we just went through of the bacterial. I mean, it's not a thing. We're talking about COVID-19, I guess. Is that an antimicrobial resistant pandemic? I just it's a strange thing, right? I mean, it's I just, just making terms up, it seems. Or maybe she meant to say that's what we're going into. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that. I thought that was weird. But it goes on to say that of the 19 invasive fungal diseases, there's two primary ones we're going to point out. They list off the most concerning. Four were categorized as critical priority, meaning the ones that they're primarily talking about, the rest being you know peripheral problems. That was Cyptococcus uh, neoformans, I'm not sure. I didn't look into that one necessarily because I wanted to talk about the two that we've talked about before, but I will follow up on these. I, my gut would tell me they're connected in other ways that we're talking about. Aspergillus uh, fumigatus. Here, you know what we should do, actually? Let's do this. I'll just look them up real quick on definitions and see if they connect just even just, you know, right on the surface. Is a, let's see. Ye- so, you know, it's a yeast infection kind of a thing or a yeast Belonging to the class. Yeah, so it's similar. This one would be. Let's see. Species of fungus in the most common. You know, they all tend to be focusing on people that are immunodeficiency or have immune problems, which is interesting. But let's go back to I'm going to focus just on. Just on the second two, because I this is what I think is the most important. 
of all of the four things they're categorizing out of 19 that are critical priority, two of them are potentially caused by your mask or are in the same wheelhouse. Candida albicans and Candida auris. Oops. This is really important, guys, because I truly believe that this is in part at some level this intentional. Oh, I thought I had something else highlighted in here. Okay, so now, it's, oh, wait, I thought I did down here. The report says that drug, drug-resistant drug infections are estimated to cause 1.27 million deaths and contribute. Oh, that's right. I did have that highlighted. How'd that happen? Oh, I see. Had it on the wrong page. <laughs> so the next part says, the report says that drug-resistant infections are estimated to cause 1.27 million deaths and contribute to nearly 5 million annually. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, this is taking reports from, you know, and, and this is not just suddenly 5 million deaths. This has been something that's been there before. What's interesting to me, sort of like the tuberculosis overlap, is 5 million deaths annually? Why haven't we been screaming about the drug-resistant infection pandemic or the fungus pandemic, right? I mean, because it's not new. Here's the point is that you can look over what's the coronavirus death toll over the process of two plus years. It's 6, 6, 500,000 which that includes PCR false positives, flu and pneumonia, everything under the sun you could argue they manipulated. And it's still 6, 6,500,000. So if we've got 5 million annually from one just one year on this problem, isn't that strange that we hyper It's not strange because they're hyper-focusing on what they want to sell you. Regardless, now this is being pushed into light. And what's interesting is that these two things, I'll show you, are directly associated with your mask. Down here, it says that invasive forms of fungal infections often impact severely ill patients and those with underlying conditions. So you have a situation where you're being given injections that put you in that position, that create immunocompromised people, that create vaccine-induced you know, immunodeficiency problems, or just reduce, or just you know, lymphocytopenia, just dysregulate immune, your immune system. All these are peer-reviewed. All these statements are peer-reviewed science. And then you put a mask on them that causes these things and potentially can. And then those infections dramatically more so impact the people that are put in the position by the injection. It's a perfect storm. Populations at greatest risk of infection include those with cancer, HIV, AIDS, organ transplants, chronic respiratory disease, and post-primary tuberculosis infection. How interesting. Now, here are the two we're talking about. Just to start off with Wikipedia. Candida albicans. It is detected in the gastrointestinal tract and mouth in 40 to 60% of healthy adults. First thing to understand, these are, it, they are existing in your mouth. It, it can be pathogenic in immunocompromised individuals under a variety of conditions. All right, so if you become immunocompromised because of the injection, well, now you're suddenly at risk from this. It is one of the few species of the genus Candida that causes, this is important, the human infection now, I remember this is very weirdly pronounced. It's candidiasis. Candi Let me do it again. Hold on. It was right. Uh... Oh, it's right here. Candi can candidiasis. <laughs> I mean, it's right there. It's phonically spelled out. Very strange. This it's candida oris. Then it's candi candidiasis. <laughs> candidiasis. I mean, you tell me, it's a very strange word. Regardless, it's just the other form that it can, that it can lead to, right? So what they're saying is that this can lead to this infection. I'm just going to say candiasis because it's easier to say. The point, though, is that this specific one is one of the few, it says. Weirdly enough, the only two that can, or the two we're talking about, leads to this problem. 
And then it says, can candidiasis is, for example, often observed in HIV-infected patients. What do you know? What a weird coincidence. Here's the other one. Candida auris. It is one of the few, same thing, species of genus of candida, which causes, again, candidiasis, or however, in humans. Often, it, it, the candidiasis is acquired in hospitals by patients with weakened immune systems. Interesting overlap. So this is just the first point. Okay, so they're both found in your mouth, can be anyway, and lead to this exact problem. So, oh, on top of that, by the way, we've talked about this many times in the past. Lethal candida outbreak blamed on COVID. Isn't that funny? So back then they were going, it's because of COVID. Now they're going, it's because of this other fungal thing. No, never is it about the thing that's clearly linked to causing this. And this is the other one I used the same image today. Masks lead to bacterial pneumonia, oral thrush, systemic inflammation, which can be deadly. It's very dangerous and may be the cause of long COVID. I said that all the way back then in 2021, or at least adding to it. And I stand by that because here's the information still. Here's the CDC page. Candida infections of the mouth, throat, and esophagus. And this is a point. They're talking about candiasis, which both of those can lead to, is an infection caused by yeast. Is normal candida normally lives in places such as the mouth and numerous locations, but mouth is the one I'm talking about today. Candidiasis in the mouth and throat is also called thrush or oral thrush. So what is oral thrush? Seeing as how that's what we're calling this, right? In the case of your mouth, this problem is called oral thrush. So that's how this gets confusing because people will talk about oral thrush in like a dentist sphere and not connect that with candida and the mask use. Right. So well, I'll show you the mask part next. For, we'll get to that. The first part is knowing that this is in your mouth and this is what we're talking about. Now it's saying oral thrush, also called candiasis, is a condition in which the fungus candida albicans accumulates on the lining of your mouth. Candida is a normal organism in your mouth, but sometimes it can overgrow and cause symptoms. Although oral thrush can affect anyone, it's more likely to occur in babies, older adults, because they have reduced immunity. So too do everybody who's taking these injections today. In other people, and that may be one of the large, largest reasons this is suddenly getting much worse. In other people with suppressed immune systems or certain health conditions, there you go, or people who take certain medications, all of those fit the bill. If you have a weakened immune system, symptoms may be more severe and difficult to control. Exactly. Now, I just thought this was interesting. One of the symptoms is loss of taste. I think I pointed that out all the way back then. Okay, so oral thrush. Now, you may be asking, how does this connect with the mask? Well, it's everywhere if you know where to look. First of all, I pointed this out way back in 2020. Your mask may be causing candida growth in your mouth. Now, even this article at the time was like, no, but please still do them because COVID, because that's they know that they'll be shut down if they don't say that, or that maybe they believe it. I don't know. The point, though, is that even though they say that, check out what it says. This is from Everyday Health, August 4th, 2020. It says, as if mask knee, which is disgusting, wasn't bad enough. So people that have these gross breakouts all over their face because they're wearing a disgusting mask all day long. Which, by the way, what more do you need to see? The fact that it's causing a breakout means that it's not healthy for you. But regardless, it says there's another skin problem to worry about during the COVID pandemic. Candida overgrowth. It's basically a yeast infection around your mouth. So look, right out of the gate, we're talking about the same thing. So if we already know that this can cause this infection, and we're pointing at two of these as the four of the most concerning of this new health concern, how is it possible that the WHO, the CDC, and everybody else involved doesn't even mention the masks? That's very concerning. That's a gigantic red flag. 
but it goes on to say, mass conditions allow yeast to thrive. Now, it's not just about candida and the problem here, but we realize that the mass conditions are why this is so dangerous for you, that it, why it increases your risk in, in every possible way, because anybody that's worked in like restaurants, let's say, or any place where you have to be concerned about certain conditions that cause bacteria to grow, right? You know that time, temperature, moisture, these things are the most important to control. And so in this case, that's exactly what you're doing. You're keeping it on your face for an extended period of time. You're, it's creating moisture. It's, cre it's increasing the heat. All these things are perfect conditions for growing bacteria and causing risk to you. It's as simple as that. Now it says, there's a lot going on in your mouth. In fact, there are about 700 species of microbes living in there, according to the National Institutes of Health. Like other areas of your body, there are both good bacteria and bad, the kind that make your breath stink, or lead to cavities. And there's also fungus, which is normal, but can cause a whole host of problems. Now that mask wearing is becoming the norm, you're most more susceptible to mask-induced skin problems. Masky, maskne, breaking out is more common. But a candida infection is also possible. So right there, as simple as that. That's part that though we know right here so far, 100% the mask is part of it. Maybe small part. I believe it's far more than that. But we can't. But the fact that they're not even talking about it when the world around is being forced to wear these things and they are causing something is very telling. It's willful ignorance. They're they're obfuscating this from view. Both the skin and saliva can contain parasitic fungi of the genus Candida, a type of yeast that is normally present in the body. Somebody's put. I saw that for one. Candidiosis. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. It's it's a weird word. But the, there's someone in the chat was giving phonic spelling. So the point being, first of all, that is absolutely causing this to some degree. But it gets much worse when you realize the other thing the masks are causing. And I made this point really early on and was shouted down by the fact checkers like MZ Dog and all those guys that were saying, no, masks are perfectly safe. No, they don't cause your mouth to dry out and cause it. Well, they do. And it's very clear. While Candida typically exists without causing a problem, a specific species called Candida albicans which is what they just screamed about, saying that this is a world health concern, can cause an infection if it grows out of control, notes the CDC. Isn't that strange? So they seem to know that the masks are included, but they don't want to say it. If this type of candida overgrows inside the mouth, it's called thrush. We know that. Anyone who's worn a mask in the summertime, this is important, knows that it can get hot under there. And mask offer, masks offer the perfect conditions for overgrowth. This is just common knowledge before now they shout you down because they don't want you to talk about it. Candida thrives in human environments, much like the one created under your mask. While a face mask can't be the sole cause of skin infection, the combination, which I don't even know if that's true, but that's just this person. No, no, no. Masks aren't the problem. I, I'm sure that masks can be the sole cause of this. The combination of heat, humidity, and a tight mask would worsen underlying conditions that prompt a fungal or bacterial infection. How can you even argue that they can't be the sole cause? See my point? This is a self-serving argument to act like you're pro-mask. Of course it can. It's causing a condition of heat, humidity, and ex I mean everything you need to create that. So you're telling me that they couldn't have like an infection in their tooth and suddenly that gets worse because of the mask? Or they had caught bacteria from something else they just ate and that creates the situation? I mean, this is basic. So this guy, just ridiculous. They would even say that. But it goes on to say, the same types of topical antifungal creams used for athlete's foot can be helpful. Great, great. So not only do you have stinky breath and teeth falling out and mask, mask knee and now oral thrush, but you can just rub some athlete's foot cream on your face and it'll do the trick. Sounds like a lovely situation. Keep protecting yourself. But 
Oh, the, I, 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 I thought it was mentioned in here. It's the next one. A part, the part about why this leads to things like bacterial pneumonia, which I think is very important. This is where it gets the most important, which is that dentists have been speaking out about this since the very beginning. You know, the people that literally deal with your mouth every day. They spoke out and we were called conspiracy theorists because, because you know better than the dentists that are looking at their faces, right? Here's what it says. August 19th, 2020, how face masks are affecting oral health during a pandemic. And the same thing. Look at this. How they're saving us from COVID. Wear them no matter what. Like it's the first thing they say, but just skip past that. Even if you read the reality of the danger. Like why you even need to include that is ridiculous to me. Are we talking about why face masks save from COVID-19? Is it even part of the conversation? No, it's about how they're affecting oral health. So why do they feel the need to come out and say, COVID-19 is dangerous and masks are saving lives? Because they know that if they don't, they'll be shouted down and censored. Like, do you not see how ridiculous that is? You could write an article about literally anything that, that tangentially connects to COVID and they'll feel obligated to be like, vaccines save lives and here's why. But it's just, it's just frustrating. So the point is, let's get to the oral health part, which is why we're here. Mask mouth. But I want, I want to be clear that just if patient matters to you, they are claiming that they masks save your life. That's, that doesn't even matter. We're talking about dentists. Why would dentists know whether they save your life or not? They're repeating what the CDC says, acting like that's the fact, because it says right there, the CDC acknowledges the efficacy. Okay. We don't care what the CDC says because they're lying about everything today. I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious. They've been caught lying about a lot of things today. We shouldn't be trusting them at face value. Mask mouth, as an emerging dental concern, dentists are seeing a trend of dental problems due to the usage of face masks. Uh, and guys, all of this has been reported by me as far back as 2020. Just remember that. It goes on to say about 50% of their patients, according to the New York Post and a lot of different articles, 50% in 2020. My God, can you imagine what it is now? 50% of their patients are now affected by the trend they're calling mask mouth. Gross. People who had healthy teeth and gums are now showing new dental problems. And it's not because of unhygienic practices, but because of face masks. That's unequivocal. That's what they're saying. And they're proving this. And I've proven this. And I think we just did. Using face masks has increased. And this is why it's so important. This is the part that nobody wants to say anymore because it really does connect the dots. Using face masks has increased the dryness in our mouth. That's a fact. People tried to pretend this wasn't the case. In fact, claiming that it was the opposite. Like doctors were going, no, it makes you salivate. It's not true. It's and everything you look at before COVID-19. Face masks make your mouth dry out, which then helps bacteria and viruses to propagate, right? And in the case of your, in your, in your teeth and your mouth, and the point is they, there's two things to point out. The increase of moisture and temperature in any general sense is a perfect growing area for bacteria and so on, right? Specifically in your mouth, you have a lot of bacteria. Oh, I should have just read the sentence next. The point is, it says our saliva serves as a protective barrier and has antimicrobial components that help fight bacteria, right? It also helps take part in mucosal immune system of our body that prevents viruses from entering directly into the surface of our body. So there's two points. One is that in, in every other case, the point is that those things are a perfect breeding ground and they are generally in your mouth too. But the difference is your mouth already has this bacteria. It doesn't need to be growing. It can get worse, but it's all there. And the moment that your mouth dries out and the sal saliva that serves as a protective barrier gets reduced, that bacteria then can fall out into your mouth in the mask that does have a perfect little zone of heat and moisture and everything else, or you can breathe it back into your lungs. And this is where bacterial pneumonia comes in. And I've talked about this since 2020. It's no brainer. It's a no brainer. This is causing bacterial pneumonia for sure. I think a lot, at least in part though. 
And that is being called COVID-19. It's contagious. It can be spread. It can be caught. And the symptoms are exactly what we're being told COVID-19 is. It's as simple as that. And I, I think I still have this up. Let's see. Maybe not. I had a uh, clip from James Lyons Weiler where he, you know, basically says this. I think I deleted it. Where we talked a long time ago. And he says the same thing. PhD. He says, 100%. Masks are causing bacterial pneumonia. So it's as simple as that. And it, the, the data backs it up. He just was an additional point. Right? So your mouth dries out because of the mask internally. And that bacteria then comes out into the mask area or gets breathed back in. Both of which create problems for you. And that bacterial pneumonia then gets used as causing, as, as look, gets deemed COVID-19 in some cases. But the other part is that it takes it, the, it says it also takes part of mucosal immune system, the saliva that it's reducing. Isn't that interesting? The mucosal immunity that the injections have no part in, but if you have natural immunity, you do have mucosal immunity. But if you wear your mask, it reduces saliva, which plays a large part in that mucosal immunity. I mean, guys, you can't miss from a thousand directions how everything they were selling you on is hurting you. It's reducing exactly what it needs to reduce to make you sick. It very well could just be a clumsy mistake of coincidences over and over. I don't buy that, though. So here we are very clearly creating all sorts of problems. It says the decrease in flow of saliva in our mouth not only breathes stinky breath, but can also put our overall health in danger. The impact of using face masks on oral health. This is so important increases tooth decay due to dryness in the mouth causes caused by face masks. There's not enough saliva to flush food particles out of our teeth with bacteria thriving in the presence of sugar. They will start to breed from the food particles and cause tooth decay. That's, that's a big deal. Tooth decay can be deadly if it's left on too far. And that leads to the other parts. It leads to periodontal disease, gum disease, systemic inflammation. It gets very serious. I mean, guy, gum disease is one of the leading causes of death in this country. That's not, it's crazy to think about, but it's the reality because it leads to problems that absolutely are incredibly deadly. Inflammation, inflamed gums of our inflammation of our immune system is response to the attack of bacteria and viruses. It is never a good sign. Inflammation. It is never a good sign and can mean that the abundance of bacteria in our mouth is attacking the gums due to the lack of antimicrobial components of saliva. Enough left untreated can lead to periodontal disease. But they tell you injections are supposed to cause inflammation. Well, it's not. I mean, ultimately, if they claim it leads to a good thing, which I, don't, I think needs to be proven, especially every case today, it could just mean it's hurting you. And I think that's what's happening with these ones we're talking about. Bad breath, of course, which is another example of the odor-causing bacteria being present in your mouth that you're allowing and perpetuating with the mask. Gum disease. Gum disease is an irreversible dental condition that requires lifetime care. It can start with a dry mouth or plaque buildup and slowly damages the gums and bone structure in the mouth. It begins without early warning signs and pain or pain and only becomes apparent when symptoms like receding and inflamed gums start to show. And then you're a lifelong threat for all sorts of serious problems. But yeah, but wear the mask though. The thing that increases your risk of infection, the thing that does not have a statistical effect on reducing transmission, a statistically significant effect on reducing transmission. Fact, plenty of work we've covered on this. We're not getting into it today. Finally, dentists say mask mouth can cause serious health complications, including strokes. That's, this is just an additional part. Same point. Dentists are warning about health issues tied to prolonged use of masks. First, they just outlets all over the place are pointing this out. Gum disease or periodontal disease will eventually lead to strokes. Increased risk of heart attack. Just tie it up in a neat little bow. Everything we're seeing 
could also be part of the mask. Every part of it. Or it's been designed to perfectly connect in every way to cause all these problems. Or anything else. Ask your own questions. Come to your own conclusions. The reality is none of this is being regarded or even discussed by the very people that are telling you they're trusting the science. This is all provable information. Heart attacks, we're seeing everywhere strokes. So you're forcing kids to wear masks in school and we're seeing kids collapse. I mean, is there a connection there? Maybe. Or it could just be the dangerous injection you're giving them. Or maybe it's all of it together. Mask mouth being compared to meth mouth, right? Sounds great. People tend to breathe through their mouth instead of through their nose while wearing a mask, which is one of the main reasons why it causes dry mouth, which leads to decrease in saliva, which then leads to more bacteria and bacterial pneumonia. Is anybody even questioning this? I mean, guys, this is exactly where we are. Now, here's an interesting one to finish on. This is from a, a foreign outlet, but it says the compulsive use of masks is not the cause of the spread of infections of Candida auris, according to a report from the CDC. Now, this was specifically in regard to the one I covered, where they blamed it on COVID, right? But what's funny, guess what it says? They point to a CDC report, and it says, nor is it associated with a 40% increase in mortality. Except what's funny is, Fake news, fake news, except now they're going, oh my God, it's going to kill everybody. So was it happening or not? And is it dangerous or not? Isn't that funny? Well, it has to be one or the other. So either one of them are lying. The reality is that they're just using it now. And I think it was happening then. They just didn't want to point at it. Here's what it says. You have asked us about an image. It's like a fact check place uh, that has moved through different social media networks in recent days, which states that compulsive use of masks as a consequence of COVID pandemic would have caused the spread of the dangerous type of fungus, Candida auris, translation issue, in a Florida hospital. He adds that this is resistant to the main antifungal drugs and that is associated with the 40% hospital mortality. However, they say it's taken out of context. Here's what the context is. The data comes from a document from the CDC whose content is misrepresented in the image they sent. It is true that Florida hospitals were, there were cases of contagion by this fungus, but not due to the compulsive use of masks, they say, to which the document does not even refer, it says, but due to misuse and disinfection of the equipment of personal protection, otherwise known as PPE, which, by the way, includes masks. As we already explained to you, it says the use of masks does not pose a danger, a, a danger to health. Quite the contrary. Well, that's not true. We've proven that in peer-reviewed science. We've literally shown you the, the peer-reviewed science that says that this does cause an increased risk of infection. So they're wrong. So why would you trust anything else they have to say in their, their dedu deductive logic? But it says quite the contrary. It reduces the risk of spread. Well, that's also proven not to be true. So by the way, you should probably listen to anything they have to say. Well, what's funny to me is that when you get into the actual CDC documentation, it does include other things like gowns and gloves and so on. But they're generally speaking about PPE, which includes masks. So either way you look at this, that was just a fun inclusion at the end to show you that they're just trying to sidestep the reality. The data is pretty damn obvious, guys. And it's all across the board. You can prove that these th that masks being worn lead to oral thrush. We can prove that oral thrush can lead to bacterial infections of candida auris, bacterial pneumonia, which can be called COVID-19. And we can point out that what's happening today, therefore, could has to be in part because of the mask people are wearing. But they'll never tell you that. It's all right there in front of you. All the information, all the excess risk, the death and everything that's happening. We're proving what's happening in plenty of different ways. Using peer-reviewed science as they scream trust the science, it's they're drowning in their lies. Stay the course. We're seeing things change. We're going to recreate this, this system. We're building new platforms and new organizations, and we are going to recreate this, guys. I'm talking about like the media apparatus, or at least we're going to try.
because we can't rely on them anymore. Because clearly, if we're at this point now where it's this obvious and they're still trudging forward, we need to change things. And not the way they want to change things. But thank you for being here and simply asking questions because that's all we really can do at this point. Or at least the, the least we can do at this point is ask questions. Whether we're talking about somebody you support, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat or anybody else, question what they're doing. Question whether Elon Musk is going to continue to do the right thing, even if he does bring my platform, my account back or anybody else's account back. Is that only so it appears to be the right thing or does he really want to change things? How do we know? He, I mean, he is in these circles, guys. He's tied in with all these different things. We should have every reason to question that, especially from a Republican standpoint. But now, especially from the hardcore Republicans, it's very clear that he's already saved everybody and it's already done. And now we're winning. And now censor them, too. And when we do, we're going to pretend like we don't see it. You know, it's, so we're just as hypocritical as we were moments ago. That's not all of them. I don't even think that's most of them. But you will hear them yell the most because that's the part of the broken paradigm. But just question it, guys. Please continue to question. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. 
eventually that this government imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.